What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 30th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Hello, Matt, or Sir Matt Rohrbeck. It's 30 for 30. We're both 30, doing ump 30. So we're just going to uh, be talking the... about sports for this one, right? Yes, ESPN. We're doing the full review of every episode of ESPN's 30 for 30, starting with... Is there a Vince McMahon episode? Or I is hope it about there the is. XFL, I think? Maybe I haven't watched XFL. it. I've heard it's good. Yeah. I, uh... I've only seen the OJ doc. Right, right. Was that a 30 for 30? It started as a 30 for 30. And right, then it... and then it turned into a 200 and... 80 for seven and a half hour documentary how many minutes but they also had a um uh a condensed version which was i think two hours oh did they cut it down into like yeah for tv but they also showed it in parts as well but um didn't they change all the oscar rules because of that yes uh and how uh a documentary is shown because it can't broadcast on television and it has to be a theatrical release uh because the oj doc did play uh the festival circuit specifically hot dogs did it yeah oh i thought it was tiff but no, no it's hot dogs okay yeah cool cool i've never seen it yet it's great it's uh it's worth the uh seven I've and heard... a half hour commitment did you watch it in one sitting yeah did you on a sunday yeah wow good for you good for you uh what else is new buddy well, you know, we just had some sushi and uh, as some, every episode some coffee starts with, and, with what uh, we've we're going to see who's going to need to use the washroom <laughs> first. Nah, we're good. I have an iron stomach, you know. Uh, but do you have an iron bladder? Uh, I don't. We've talked about this many, many times that I do not. I have to go to the bathroom quite frequently during a film. What was I watching? I think it was Game of Thrones yesterday, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I had to pause like five six times just because it's only an hour and 20 minutes but like right just had to keep going man you're just so excited um, welcome to the peapod right I'm also i mean we should just quickly mention uh, uh mother's day just passed so happy mother's day to ann Rohrbeck and bev uh, press who are not listening probably. no and uh, i just also <laughs> want to give my grandfather who's definitely not listening uh a uh, uh, shout out because his uh, 91st birthday was uh on sunday so on mother's day oh yeah lucky him yeah 91, yeah. 91, my, Eric Stanley Neat, still kicking ass. Yeah, my, both still my, drives. Both my grandparents on my dad's side are in their 90s. Man, if I can make it to 90, I'll be happy. I'll be happy if I make it to 80. Right, I'll be happy if I make it to 60. Let's just keep going lower. <laughs> 55? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, if we live long enough, technology will get there and you'll, we'll be able to live forever, It'll man. breathe for us. Yeah, like we'll be able to become computers, like in the hit film Transcendence, uh, Transcendence starring Jonathan Depp. Um, Garbage human? Yeah. Anyways, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together. uh, We ramble on about uh, nonsense for the first little while until I do this intro. And then we kind of go into, you know, movie news, trailers, what we've been watching, what you can watch at home on digital and Blu-ray, and tons of other things. If you like this podcast, we do another podcast called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I, you guessed it, review movies. Whether they're new in theaters, upcoming in theaters, we got a little bit of both for you to listen to right now. Uh, we haven't recorded them yet, so I'm blanking, but we have Detective Pikachu. Yep. Uh, which we is have up Book right Smart. Now, and Book Smart. Uh, and we then, also have uh, reviews still of Longshot. 
Yes, our most recent review was Long Shot. So and check coming out, soon, we'll have a review of Aladdin when that embargo and breaks. And John Wick Chapter yes. 3, which you have seen already. I have you, seen. You can give your impressions in in a moment. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, please uh, do us a favor. Go over to that channel. Subscribe there as well. Throw that uh, a rating. And um, they're kind of bite-sized episodes. We try to get those between... 20 25 minutes sometimes we go a bit longer depending on the film and and uh how much we have to say about it but uh we try to keep them bite size for you guys to kind of quickly listen to uh unlike this one that quite frequently goes over two hours will it today i have no idea i prepped the episode and i'm not even really sure what we're going to be talking about it could either be an hour it could be two maybe we'll do like our tiff episode where we did five hours yeah. you'll have to stay here and Find out. Eric, what have you been watching? Well, Matt. Uh, Feel a since... little bit rusty, but we're getting into it, bud. What have you right, been watching? Right, well, it's a Monday as well. We're recording on a Monday night. It's the start of a new week. We're, you know, still digesting that sushi that we just ate. Uh, Matt's had a long day at work. I have. Um, so it's it's been busy. So, like, you know, it's we're getting back into the flow of things, back into the groove, back into a New York state of mind, even though we're in Toronto. Um, yeah, so, okay. Uh, I have been watching apparently quite a bit, according to my uh, letterbox account. Yes. Um, so I won't, go, I won't go into detail about every single thing because we'll probably be here. For I mean, you can quickly run hours. through stuff and whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of... like, there's some things that, like, I, I don't really have much to say other than... You watch them? <laughs> I watch them, yeah. One of those movies uh, was uh, the new 4K version of uh, Hannibal, uh, Ridley Scott's Hannibal that okay. Kino uh, uh, Smith released, or Kino Lorber released, and... Um, I didn't realize they put that out. I just recently watched it's it. It's their first 4K release, oh, too. okay. Because um, cool. I watched it, the 4K of Silence of the Lambs, right. which, which looked great. Yeah. And this looks excellent as well, uh, especially the stuff in Florence, Italy. Um, and I forgot how nasty a movie that is. Sure there are is. sequences in Hannibal that really do go for broke. And I feel that those are the best moments in the movie. So, like, you know, Ray Liotta's brain being exposed and then Hannibal Lecter feeding Ray Liotta his own brain or pieces of his brain to him. Yeah. Uh, a, 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 a Italian police officer being hung by his own uh, intestines. Um, yeah. So all the good stuff. Um, but I kind of, but yeah, but I, I, I do enjoy it as a gory uh, kind of B movie. It's nowhere near as good as either Manhunter and, Silence and the Lambs, um, but it is interesting because Ridley Scott that year released both Hannibal and Black Hawk Down, and <clears throat> Black Hawk Down actually also just got a 4K uh, uh, release, and it's also uh, has an extremely violent mo- moment when they try to uh, sort of uh, cut an artery or try to close it, mm-hmm. and you see like them clipping the artery. Yeah, and, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched Black Hawk Down in a while, but um, I-, I mean, I like both Hannibal and Black Hawk. Lockdown. I mean, I went back and watched Silence of the Lambs, which is amazing, and then watched Hannibal and was surprised at how much uh, I enjoyed it. But again, like you're saying, it is it is a fun kind of B movie. But yeah, um, it's uh, more it's more about the effects and almost. I mean, it is centered on Hannibal Lecter, and I mean, for the most part, Hannibal Lecter is uh, a great side character and maybe not the best for. Uh, a lead and kind of creating a Fair. monster, a movie monster kind of thing. Um, Gary Oldman's great in it as well as uh, Mason Verger, who's yeah. the uh, uh, pedophile who's after 
Hannibal Lecter for having him cut off pieces of his face. Yes. Uh, there was a time where uh, Gary Oldman would just show up in things and you wouldn't even realize it was Gary Oldman if you... Uh, like I just well he what well, he he's, he's a, chameleon. a chameleon back yeah, then yeah. yeah well like Still even is, in something but... like True Romance right when like he's a Rastafarian yeah, that, yeah. drug dealing pimp and and uh, he's in it for maybe ten minutes and almost steals the whole film uh, if it wasn't for the scenes between Dennis Hopper and sorry uh, fake Rastafarian uh, like... Christopher Walken it would have you know that would have been the big moment in the movie yeah um yeah so that was that was interesting it does look good apparently though they didn't do well on the sales for that film so kino lorber might not be releasing their next 4k i sent you an any, interesting stat soon a couple weeks ago i wanted where, to ignore it well that stat that i sent you yeah. of like literally it's like what less than five percent of people are buying 4k blu-rays or something yeah. and then the majority of people still buying DVDs. So I think this it's world like is messed up. People who buy physical media, it's like 60% is still buying DVDs. I probably have these stats wrong, but it was something like that. It was fucking mind-blowing. I remember I sent it to you and I was like, Eric, man, like people aren't even buying Blu-rays yet, let alone 4K. Right. Um, it's so unfortunate. I'm like, ah, how can anyone – I know we sound like – Oh, holier than thou! But I just can't fathom watching a fucking DVD. Yeah, well, I just, just I feel I feel bad for anybody that wants to see a movie in in the best quality possible, and they just buy a DVD. But obviously, they don't care. Care, right? Yeah. Well, it's 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 like a it's like going to the movies, though, right? As long as they just see it projected on a screen, they don't care. There's actual audio. That's enough. Like you don't you know take the time to think about you know how it's being projected right. the aspect ratio um the sound anything masking yeah. and all those kind of things so it's 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 very similar like some people really care about the the home experiences as much as they do about well, the theatrical experience. no wonder people love streaming because the quality is automatically way better than what they get on dvd right. but even sometimes then it doesn't look great I no mean, what we'll i'm be saying talking is we about notice, game of thrones we right? notice yeah. when it doesn't look great but to them it looks like a fucking like leaps and bounds better right because they're at least watching it in hd if i mean probably i have no idea um who knows what tv or what internet settings or whatever right. i think there's even a cheaper netflix subscription that gets you like not even hd unless they've changed that but i have that really expensive 17 dollar 4k subscription and i don't even really watch anything <laughs> yeah um, speaking of serial killers i also uh re henry portrait of a serial killer which was michael rooker's first big movie uh he plays the real life Chicago uh, serial killer uh, Henry. I think it's Cavill. <sighs> no, uh, I I'm I'm blanking on it. It's it's Henry Lee Lucas. I think is the name of the, of the actual guy. It's loosely based on him because they, right. they they play with what he actually did. But it's directed by John McNaughton, and they had a, a special screening of it on Shutter uh, last week on uh, the last drive-in, and so I rewatched it there. And um, I remember seeing this in high school and thinking to myself, this is probably one of the most disturbing and different serial killer movies you've probably ever seen because it doesn't play up, you know, like a lore or make the serial killer, you know, interesting. It just shows you a very kind of mundane person who you wouldn't suspect being a serial killer, just an average Joe that... You know, like if you were to see him on the street, you'd 
never look twice at him. Right. And the performances are all very quiet and subtle, but the way that some of the violence is shown is unforgettable and disturbing. There's videos, because they get a video camera halfway through the movie, him and his buddy Otis, played by Tom Tolls, and they film a, a home invasion. Mm-hmm. And so it's Tom Tolls and uh, Michael Rooker, you know, breaking in into this family's home and raping the wife and killing the son and, and the husband and then them sitting on a couch and watching the video later on and then watching it again and again. And it's like, this is the kind of movie that you don't see usually. And, and yeah. it's one of the most uncomfortable, disturbing watches. And I don't think I'll, I'll rewatch it again anytime soon, but I wanted just to check it out because there's been a lot recently with, you know, the Ted Bundy uh, files and things like that. And the idea that, you know, serial killers are becoming almost like folk heroes or like celebrities into themselves. And this movie doesn't, you know, take the gratuitous route. It actually shows you the horrors of what one human being can do to another person and how you treat somebody or how you look at somebody the way that, you know, like Gene Siskel put it the best where like, you know, when they kick in a TV, they do the same thing to a woman and that's how they, they perceive human life to an inanimate object. That's yeah. Sounds disturbing. It is. It's again, like it's not, it's not a movie I could easily recommend to people, but if you want to see a movie that doesn't fetishize the serial killer genre, this is that film that you should watch at Mm -hmm. least once. And you'll probably never want to watch it again. And that's fair, but it is very real at times. Like it's just, it's like if you didn't know it was Michael Rooker, I mean, obviously now a lot of people do know who Michael Rooker is, but you would think that they're non-actors. Right. Fair. And yeah, it's one of the most chilling films I've, I think I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, movies that I can't necessarily recommend, but I appreciate in some way or another, I saw the uh, uh, S. uh, Craig Zoller movie dragged across concrete with... uh, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn and it's more than just a corrupt cop movie it's kind of an ensemble about a group of characters ranging from uh, local kind of uh, ex-cons to um, serial killing heist kind of uh, characters that are all kind of intertwined and I was surprised with um, how slow the movie is at times. Like, it's very mundane. Like, you could best sum it up as it's basically like watching the characters just sit and have conversations and do it during, uh, you know, like, they're they're just sort of surveillancing and, and, and mm-hmm. sort of uh, casing joints. And, 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 I mean, some people will say it's a little bit like Tarantino, and some people will say that uh, it has a little bit of that kind of 1970s gritty cop kind of drama the way that you know a Sidney Lumet movie might or right. something like that but I mean his stuff has been pretty slow for yeah like, but this is like really slow yeah. and he's doing it like on purpose like you can tell like it, it, it puts you into these lulls where nothing happens nothing happens nothing happens and then all of a sudden this burst one of burst of violence that is so horrific and so mean that you're like oh my god like how did they get this movie made and like it's interesting to see him use a lot of the same actors he's already worked with on both uh bone tomahawk and brawl and cell block 99 
Um, I also laughed every time they refer to Vince Vaughn as a young, uh, up-and-coming cop. I was just like, he's like in his 50s. Come on. Hey, Siri. How old is Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn is 49. Yeah. So there you go. Like every, <laughs> The spry young Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Um, but there's, there's a really good scene between um, Mel Gibson and... Uh, uh, Don Johnson and you know Don Johnson's character is uh, basically the chief of police and he's like you know to Gibson it's like you used to be a nice guy and you know like you actually cared about what you did and now you're just a bitter old man and mm-hmm. you hate everyone and everything it's like and it, it perfectly sums up what Mel Gibson has become as right. a person fair um, I do want to watch it I just it's, it's just a, it's a tough watch yeah. because not necessarily I mean the content is also tough because I mean like it is not taking any punches and it's not pc in any way like it is very violent it's harsh on everybody from all walks of life but it's just it's also monotonous and very mundane at times yeah i should go back and watch all three of his films because i haven't made it through any of them right it's the definition of a slow burn like they're all slow burns but this one it's like he's he is intentionally fucking with you a little bit doing it yeah and i think it's probably i think i like bone tomahawk the most out of his stuff but um this i actually liked quite a bit again as like a gritty cop film from the 70s like it's perfectly on par with something like you know, Prince of the City or something like that. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, I remember watching, trying to watch Brawl with you at TIFF. Falling asleep. And, oh, man, I was tired. But then when just, you woke up again and, and we get to cool. that final... It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And but, that's how that's the kind of pulpy violence yeah. that's in this movie. And there's a sequence involving a bank heist that... See, that sounds like my shit. Yeah. Like, when, it, when it happens, you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I don't want to give it away, but at the same time, I was like, I actually kind of let out an audible holy fuck while <laughs> okay. watching it. Yeah. All right. Cool. You're, yeah. You're winning me over. I think I will eventually watch. I think maybe in the next couple of weeks, I think I'm going to try and get through all three movies. Like Nevis is in can right now, so right. I have some time to watch stuff like that because it's definitely not her thing. No, and um, and it, uh, it's also again like it's very like pro-conservative as well and yeah yeah yeah, that stuff's unfortunate (laughs) uh what else uh what else well i mean you mentioned that i i I have seen uh john wick chapter three which we will have a full full review review. which will probably go up uh we gotta decide when we record but we'll let you guys know yeah what i'll say um in just kind of a, a a very brief uh summary is that the first half an hour of the film is the strongest and it feels like they were taking notes from mission impossible fallout. Okay. But then when, when you get to the second half of the movie, um, it really slows down. And I know that you need sometimes a release from the action to appreciate the scenes that are going to come, but right. like, it, it becomes repetitive in the sense that it's like, it's either world building or action set piece world building or action set piece and some of the world building in this one is just excess material like you don't really need to know some certain plot points and story details of the john wick universe that they kind of go through in this i mean when they're building out the continental tv show though and like um i mean i like i love the world building in the second movie i think that's why i really like the second one but 
Yeah, I'm curious to see what you mean by that. Because, um, I mean, and to preface this, you aren't a huge fan of no, the franchise. but I would say this was the one, like, we're so far removed from how dumb the first movie is that it's just become an action movie at this point. And there's stuff within the action that I can at least appreciate, appreciate yeah. and, and the set pieces. Um, but it does, yeah, like, you can, you can just kind of predict... Um, it's rhythm as you're going yeah. along. Like it, it's just, it's either action, action. John or, Wick's killing everyone or he has to get away from the action. Yeah, and it, and <laughs> like, it becomes numbing after a while. Um, but it, yeah, it just, it's it, to me, like it's like a sugar rush. You're, you're, you're on this high in the first 25, 30 minutes of the film. And then you come crashing down and you just never really completely recover. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, I know starting strong uh, is a good thing, but if you start almost too strong and the rest of your movie doesn't follow up that properly, yeah. Then... And again, like, I mean, I mentioned Fallout, it's two hours and twenty minutes, right? Yeah, and, like... and it doesn't need to be that long. And I just feel like we're living now in this post Fallout action universe or action cinema where it's like, if you're going to do a relentless, exhausting, um, action movie, you gotta be on that level of, of right. like you just go, go, go throughout and find ways to keep it going. Like those are going to be the action movies. That'll be the most interesting to watch and how you can keep a movie like that going without stopping, but still incorporate the mechanics of a screenplay, you know, include the exposition and backstory where needed. And, I mean, and even going you. back to, I know we've, it, it's a hot topic and we've talked about it every week, but I think even Endgame is paced really well in the sense of like, again, a very slow start starts to pick up in the, the time heist thing. And then you have your all out gigantic action sequence at the end, right? right. Like it feels like it's a steady incline. Yeah. Um, anyways, but I opinion. did really approve, but with Endgame, I mean, we've talked about this as well. It with, is all CG smashing into right, each other. But, but at least with that first act, there's interesting stuff going on with the within the slowness of it because you actually get to see the good guys lose mm-hmm. and what and that how they deal feels like. Yeah. For right. them. And, and, and John Wick's going through a similar thing. Well, John Wick, that's the, I mean, John Wick basically Baba is Yaga. a superhero because he's invincible and nothing can kill him. And so you get to a point where you're not afraid of him being shot at or attacked because you know, he'll get through it. Yeah. Fair. You know, it's, it's, he's basically become a Superman. Yeah. Um, in, in, that regard but i mean it's fine for what it is part of the fun yeah um if you if you enjoy people getting shot in the head stabbed wonderful maced booked you'll enjoy this sick uh you want to run through a few more of these yeah what what else what else did i watch Uh, thoughts on tolkien Oh, okay. Uh, okay so uh, jr tolkien by nicholas holtz i'm just going through this really quickly um very basic it wants to um, be a Lord of the Rings movie at times, but oh, wow, also okay. be it wants a traditional to be just biopic. as boring. <laughs> yes, no, because the Lord of the Rings movies are good. I know, but okay. it makes the Hobbit films look like masterworks. Tolkien. Okay. Yeah. It's, All right. It's real bad. But it's not Nicholas Holt's fault. It's the writing. So he's actually okay. He's it's fine. Just, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. A uh, little. Okay, so uh, I had some time to kill today before I met up with uh, with Matt. Um, I saw a press screening for The Biggest Little Farm, uh, but afterwards I still had some some time, so I, I watched a little, and boy, oh boy, is it a horrible take on the big vice versa, like father-like-son genre. Um, it's 
completely disjointed at times. The editing makes it look like they took snippets from you know, three or four different outtakes in any one scene. So it never really comes together and uh, continuity and plot of, you know, this uh, executive or this tech mogul um, becoming a, a young girl again because she bullies people um, is this, you know, very tired story. The only thing that's of worth of note, which isn't a good thing, is that there's a really horrible transgender joke oh, no. in the first Ten minutes I heard that, about that. That actually. you would expect from Ace Ventura. <laughs> really? Oh, it's bad. I heard. I heard that. I remember when it first came out, and they're like, "I can't believe." Like, like the character's supposed to be mean, and like you're supposed to be like she's like basically like a Grinch or something like that. Sure, but and but it's, you don't it's make Regina her Hall, right? So, yeah, yeah, but that, like, but that's it's it's and it's going for a you know a a, a gutless laugh, and and oh, it's not no. funny. It's it's. I was just like. Read the room. Oh, wow. It's 2019. And yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember rewatching Ace Ventura with you. And I was talking about this at work with a with someone and being like, Yeah, you just you forget that whole last act. Very transphobic, man. Right. Like, uh, oh God. Um, and then you said biggest little farm. Can you talk about it yet? Or yeah, no? yeah. I mean it's already out in the US and um it'll be opening in Toronto. Uh if you're listening to this now or or sometime in the week, it opens Friday and Limited. And it's basically a documentary about uh, a couple, uh John and Molly uh Chester who go from Santa Monica and uh, open up this little farm and sort of them over the span of seven years learning to kind of find balance within an ecosystem and how to raise crops and livestock and, and keep a balance within the world. And it's, you know, it's very quaint. It reminded me, I said it's it's basically like a farm of dreams. If you farm it, they will come. And so, um, you know, you see them deal with, Everything from snails to uh, gophers and oh all this kind of stuff, and it's it's very. I've heard it's very good. It's I a just... very easy watch, but it also reminded me of something you could see on Discovery Channel, and right. it's from a guy who part John Chester works part time or freelances as a cameraman for discovery and HGTV, and it kind of feels like that, and it probably has one of the worst voiceovers I've heard recently like he tries to make everything sound profound or poetic okay. and that's the one thing that really takes things down a notch right all right lightning round you also watch the borrower okay so the borrower is also uh from director john mcnaughton and uh it's about an alien that is sentenced to a fate worse than death uh and he's turned into a human and brought back sent to earth and so his He's not adjusting well to it. His head explodes, but he can still move. So he's ripping off humans' heads and putting them on his own. Wonderful. And uh, it's uh, an LA-based. Watch it with your movie. kids. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's fun in it, like with the practical effects. Like it's like bladdery kind of like everything is exploding and just the schlocky b movie yeah yeah of the of the late 80s early 90s uh contamination contamination uh so this was another part of another uh film that screened as uh on shutter as a part of the uh uh the last drive-in and with this one, this is a ripoff. Did you get your phone and go watch it in your car just to get the full experience? Or? No, 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 no. I watched it on my uh, my TV. <sighs> um, so this is a alien uh, ripoff 
an Italian alien ripoff. So <laughs> it was made in the late 70s, early 80s, and it was marketed as a sequel to Alien in Italy and parts of Europe. How and are they was, even allowed to do that? Well, Italians don't give a fuck. <laughs> it was true, though. At that point, like Italian cinema, were, they were just ripping off every single interesting uh, popular movie, uh, North American-wise, and saying that it was a sequel. They did that with Zombie as well, um, where uh, Dario Argento re-edited George Romero's right. Zombie. I remember you And then uh, they released a sequel to it called Zombie 2. Which is not a sequel to just, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, and that, yeah. the, the most famous scene in that movie is with uh, a zombie punching a shark in the face. Sick. Um, but this is just like these alien eggs are on a boat. And it kind of reminds you the opening sequence where this boat is coming into the New York Harbor. Although the majority of the film is shot in Italy. Um, and everybody is dubbed. So everybody's voices is... <laughs> so, so nobody spoke English. Yeah. And they didn't record any audio or any sound during the production because it's easier to uh, do dubbing without any actual voice yeah. recordings. Um, so every time someone talks, they're, they're, they're out of sync for the most part. Um, but there's these alien eggs that are on the ship and the ship looks like it's abandoned. And it reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Lost World Jurassic Park, that last act when the shipping container comes mm-hmm. into the harbor in, yeah. in, in San Diego. Yeah. Um, and they, there are these alien eggs that if they get heated, they explode and then they ex- explode on people and then they burn up and people burn inside out. Fun. And there's a giant Cyclops alien. You watch some weird shit. You have a very eclectic mix of movies on here. I try to, I try to you know, turn it up. Um, last but not least, I think, is the last thing you have on here is... Hail Satan. Yes. So this is playing currently at uh, the TIFF Lightbox. And it's from uh, documentarian Penny Lane, who also did R. Nixon um, and Nuts with an exclamation mark. So Hail Satan is Hail Satan? Question Question mark. mark. And it's about a group of Satanists. religious good people. Who are good people. Like, it's funny because, like, it's how we perceive you know, the definition of what Satan is and sort of them. But don't they use it more as like a fuck you to society or It's to expose hypocrisy with, uh, you know, extreme right Christian groups that are saying that they can, you know, have church and state together. Like they were trying to um, take down the uh, 10th commandment statues that are outside these courthouses. And the original statues were just actually props from the Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments. So literally, it's just movie merchandise being put on this, you know... As some bullshitty kind of... Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's just fascinating watching, you know, people that are kind of outsiders, that are different, that are judged based on, you know, their who what they, they look, look like, like and, yeah. and based on just, like, hearing the name Satan. And then, like, they're actually, you know, people that donate uh, socks and... and, and uh, bath- the number one thing for good. Well, no, 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 no. Well, I well, know, just, socks. It's and, just funny you led with that and yeah. then kind of paused. So I'm just right, like, right, I'm right. giving well, you well, shit. Socks and 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 tampons and but stuff. But they do like tons that. of yeah. good things. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're yeah. they're very community heavy and 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 like a lot of Christian groups really just say that they are. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a fascinating watch. It's not the greatest looking movie, but it was just an interesting examination and thesis on. 
you know, uh, the division of church and state and, and the hypocrisy of, of uh, extremist groups and how this group specifically is sort of uh, exposing uh, people like Rick Scott uh, for you know, the assholes that they are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I watched the trailer and I, I did think it looked interesting, yeah. but I just haven't. I mean, if it's, it. if, if you don't get to see it in theaters, it's a perfect movie to stream yeah. or, or watch when it's on Netflix. It's, it's worth checking out. Totally. Um, so for me, um, not too, too much. I've been so busy that I haven't, uh, watched a ton of movies. Uh, I have seen a few things in theaters, which, uh, you guys can check out reviews for, um, cause mostly my recently watched has been stuff that's in theaters. So, uh, we watched, we reviewed long shot, which you guys can check out. I ended up seeing detective Pikachu at imagine cinemas in market square, uh, which you guys can check out our detective Pikachu, uh, review. Um, I did get to go to that theater for the first time since they did all the renovations, which I thought was interesting right. because they did the uh, the landmark uh, whippy thing where they put uh, recliners in every theater. So uh, they're very comfortable. Um, like we always complain about um, with modern multiplexes, I feel like if you list off the things that are important when you go to the movies, I don't think anywhere except for maybe light not even light box because one of them would be programming um they never check off every box and it's not like i want it to be perfect but it needs to be like close to that to make it worth leaving your house and paying money and and going to this thing where i feel like if you're gonna get it's either the presentation like the vi visual quality will be good but then the audio will bad be bad or the audio will be bad but there'll be no masking or it'll sound and look pretty good because it's an imax yeah there shouldn't be compromise or or, or one thing shouldn't like it should all be on the same level yeah but it ne you never check off all of the boxes yeah. it's always like three out of five or two out of five or four out of six or uh, like you're always get you'll almost get everything there and then some idiot will be laughing with a shitty laugh or someone will be talking or a couple will be talking or something like that and i hate, hate to sound like this guy who complains about it all the time but it really is making it more and more like apparent how shitty it is to go to the movies in or you're just less interested in going out to the theater that's what i mean like in 2019 it's just not a great experience well how many times so, have you gone so far to the theaters this year other than press screenings we've yeah. gone to not that many like i think uh, again january to april is usually pretty slow anyway right right uh, i mean there are the few things in between like captain marvel in february or lego movie or something like that um, and then when you start hitting April and May, you start to get those summer movies. But I haven't been that often. But every time I go, there's just something that like whether it's someone who's there or the projection or something that's just like not great. So I was excited to check out Imagine Cinemas because I do like them because they have proper masking. Their theaters are a bit older and smaller, which means... I think they did. They redid all the projectors at that theater, so they're all pretty good visually with good masking. But I don't think they improved any of the sound. Right. So the sound still feels very old and like so. Great picture, great seats now. Um. Uh. But the sound is bad usually. Like it just there was no subwoofer in my theater watching Detective Pikachu. So like every action sequence sequence was just very tinny, right? Like, right. There was nothing there. It was just coming from the very baby speakers that they had in the small theater. So the sound was bad, and it just didn't sound properly mixed or anything. And then on their seats, which are very comfortable, they have these bright 
bright fucking blue lights on the thing that makes you uh, like recline them and not so you right. can see where it is. But I'm like, and they stay on the whole time. Yeah, then, right. I had to put my jacket down over the seat beside me because it was so fucking distracting in my peripheral view. And I'm just like, how is this? Like when the movie starts, those should go off or let people feel around. It's not that hard. Right. Like just find well, where I mean, it is. You, you mentioned Landmark. In, yeah. And Whippy, there is no light. Landmark up, is right? almost perfect. Yeah. They're almost perfect. Like. The sound at Landmark is hit or miss, I feel like, depending on the theater theater you're in. But the projection and the seats are fucking amazing. And at least they're trying. Like, they're always trying to make the experience better. Yeah, did you see the photos of their new concession that they're they're doing? It looks amazing. And I'm like, they are the only... And even the new intros. We used to make fun that they had this... And I'm sure their marketing team, I could only imagine them sitting in office and someone someone knew who actually has so, seen takers yeah someone knew probably got hired at landmark and walked in whatever this new brand manager is shout out to you because you probably walked in and you're like do you guys fucking realize our coming soon has pictures for indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull and fucking takers they're from like 10 years ago we like, saw this in 2009 like, yeah like uh, you guys haven't updated this in 10 years and so they uh, their new brand identity at Landmark is really interesting because we've seen a couple movies since they've changed it where they're like, hey, we care about this shit just like you do. Much like Alamo's whole thing, right? And we we did a whole episode on the Alamo and, and our pros and cons with it. But um, Landmark is almost at that best of both worlds thing because they don't do in-seat service, which me and you don't really like because we don't want to have a fucking dinner while we watch movie a movie. We just want to watch a movie. Right. Um, and they have great seats and great projection for the most part. Like the odd time, it's not so great. But um, and they've renovated that entire theater, and their new bistro fucking concession looks crazy. And like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, shout out to Landmark Cinemas because like I, I actually think someone came in there and was like, listen. It looks like no one else gives a shit. So why don't we just kind of give a shit and maybe it'll work? I would be curious um, to go to another Landmark Cinemas and, and if just they're see all the like difference. that or if yeah. they're just using Whippy as like their test thing. But I yeah. think a lot of them are like Whippy, but I don't know. I think they're mostly out west. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or they're in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, but even then, like, I think they just bought a few of the AMC locations around in Ontario and stuff like that. But I don't think there's very many. Yeah. Like, I think there might be one in Kitchener and, and something like that. But, um, or maybe Mississauga. Yeah, because their headquarters, I think, is in Vancouver. I think it's Calgary or Calgary? something. Okay. Yeah. They might be more in, like, central Canada. But anyways, uh, Landmark is fantastic. And I, I really... M- miss living in durham because yeah. i'd probably go there more well, often speaking of uh peter smith a friend of ours uh invited me to uh oh you didn't Batman talk about 89 this, yeah. screening which where I mean, where'd you guys go uh landmark cinema oh cool yeah nice. and it was great it was full like it was a packed theater oh nice that's awesome um, and everybody was loving it and like people actually even applauded the uh that opening uh coming attractions reel did they? Yeah. So they those saw... are the people who actually care, right? Yeah, and, and, and I think it was partly because of John Candy popping up as Uncle Buck. Like, people yeah. were like, yeah. Um, but it was great. And, and I mean, the the actual print that they were showing or the digital file that they were projecting um, looked a little soft. Do you think times. that was the file or do you think it was the projection at the theater? It might have been the file. Yeah. I think it might have been the file because there were more than one scene that was like it was it was all the establishing shots that looked soft. Like there's one sequence 
where um, the Joker's uh, parade is coming in and it just looks blurry. So I, I'm wondering what the 4K will look like in comparison when that's released coming up soon. But it was it was interesting because I'd never seen Batman 89 in, in a theater. The theater before with, with an audience. And I've seen Batman 89 hundreds of times at this point. I mean, it, it's a safe assumption to say at least 100. Um, and it was just a great experience. Although I do wonder how that experience would differ seeing Batman Forever. We and should Batman go. I will go with you. <laughs> Well, they even have an intro with Ralph Gorman sort of talking about the history of the Batman movies and how, like, this one was like, you know, this was a a huge moment, a milestone in comic book history and movie making. And and so I wonder what the (laughs) Batman and Robin intro is. It's like, so this is when comic book movies were killed for a while. (laughs) Um so yeah, it, Imagine Cinemas was I got some Pokemon cards with uh, Jigglypuff and I, Pikachu. I did get a Jigglypuff and a Pikachu, um, so that was fun. And then uh, the movie, well, you guys can check out a review um, of what we thought there. Uh, I did see uh, Booksmart at a special uh, screening uh, at TIFF, uh, part of their Next Wave um, uh, programming. Um, I do want to give a shout out again. You guys can check out our review for our actual thoughts, but I'll talk about my experience outside of the movie at the movie. Um, they did that thing where they, they tricked me and they trapped me by doing the Q and a, uh, slash, uh, intro thing, like before the movie, right. Instead of afterwards. So I'm like, you motherfuckers. Every once in a while they do this where they're like, we're actually going to do the conversation. Oh, did they open it up to the audience? Um, no, Thank which is good. Goodness. So I want to give a shout out. Um, God, I, I'm so bad at this because I should have actually wrote it figured, down. Wrote out who did the Q and A, um, but the woman who did the intro and the and the Q and A um, with uh, I'm gonna find that at least the writer of Booksmart's name. Well, there's um, a few writers. Yeah. It's, there's like four four or five screenwriters. So it was excellent, man. Like, you know me, I fucking hate this stuff. Like, I usually well, when you get um, a good moderator, like I find like someone like. Obviously, like Cameron Bailey can't be at all places at once, but when you have but someone like him, he keeps things on track. And so when you have somebody like that and they know like, okay, we want to ask these specific questions, but we need to keep it on track and on time and we don't want any room for, uh, you know, embarrassment and also not opening it up to the audience is a, is a big plus. Yeah. So, I mean, her her whole conversation with... Um I have the woman's name. She also wrote uh, a couple of uh, other rom-coms and things like that. Uh, it was uh, Catherine uh, Silberman, and she was great. She was lovely. Like her, it was a really, really nice conversation and had some great insight on the making of the movie. And like, if all Q and A's and like and interviews were like this, where they just ignored. No offense to people who love participating in Q and A's, but you're you're trash. <laughs> Well, not uh, everybody. It's the people. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That we should we should say I'm, like you know I'm joking. Yeah, that no, was, no, no, I know, uh, yeah. I know. But we should say it's the people that don't ask a question or ask a stupid question, and the stupid questions are like, "Can I get a hug?" or the people that give a, a long speech that usually end or begins with, "I love the movie. The movie was great. I didn't know that this was even being released," and they just give a long statement to sort of interact with the star the writer or the director who is ever on stage yeah and but it wastes time and, and half half when we i know i did and i'm sure you did as well like 
when we first started at, uh, attending TIFF screenings, at least I did, I would always look down at the floor when people would be like standing up and asking a question. Or, like, just when you were embarrassed heard... for them? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Or like when you heard the beginning of a bad question, I was just kind of like, oh. And now we just learn better to just we run. We just leave. We run. Yeah. And again, I've been, I've seen some good Q&A. And like, again, a lot of the times to solve this, do not open it up to the audience. I know that's one of your selling points for your festival or different things like that. But um, you really just have to have a good moderator. And then more times than not, you'll have a good conversation, right? Right. People or actually, vet questions. Like see if like you can. People submit them yeah. like online beforehand or, or something like that. Like, I mean, even the, the Cameron Bailey, Chris Nolan one. At, did you go to that? At no. The, no. the Dunkirk thing? That was I was good. at the current war. Um, still to be released. Right. <laughs> Um, that one was pretty good. Anything Cameron kind of does and they don't open it up to the audience is decent. I saw, uh, before everybody wants some, uh, with, uh, Richard Linklater Linklater was good. Um, his comp cause they did a before, like a talk before Alex Garland was actually really good too as yeah. well. Well, he's very um, self-deprecating. Yeah. And they, I think they might've opened that one up to the audience just for a few questions. But even then, like there are certain filmmakers and certain people. I'm like, you know what? I, I would stay for them cause I do want to actually hear them speak. Right. The um, one guy I always loved, or I, I keep thinking about, I saw dead ringers a few years ago, um, a film print of it. And they had Jeremy Irons come in to do a Q and a, and people were asking bad questions, and Jeremy Irons actually called the people out that were asking the bad questions and saying, come on, guys, we got to do better than this. Yeah, Steve McQueen is also like that, too, where he just, at least he used to. Like, yeah. I remember during the Q&A for shame at TIFF, uh, he just literally shamed people. He right. was like, nope, not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and good for him because, I mean, like, he wants to have an, an intelligent conversation and a thought-provoking one about the movie he made and, and engage with the people that have watched it and not just to be like, Oh, what was it like working with so-and-so? Right. Or again, not even surface giving level a, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not get like, I just, I, I, I always hate the thing where it's like, I love the movie and it's like, that, dude, that's fine, but keep it short and fucking get to your question. Right. Don't go on about what you loved and how, how much you're a fan and shit like that. If you have an intelligent question, ask it. That's either about the movie or something. And the move worst on, like, was in the uh, when we saw The Impossible, right? which was a, 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 an older woman who... Tom Holland. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom Holland was there who afterwards, it wasn't even a question. It was just, she didn't know that Ewan McGregor was in the movie and kept saying how great he was and then <laughs> was... went through his old filmography yeah and i looked at the floor the entire time like, i loved you in this and this and this it was so weird and the other ones where you get people like asking for a hug and shit like that oh. is just the worst anyways we can go on about how bad q a's but this one pretty good she uh she was great uh you guys can check out the review for um our thoughts on Booksmart. um i also uh, this is my comfort food and i've been so in the mcu realm because of endgame i'm a garbage person i watched i mean my two favorite mcu movies i watched uh spider-man homecoming just because i was we're going to talk about the spider-man far from home spoiler trailer later in the show we'll warn you before we talk about that if you haven't seen endgame yet um so after i watched that trailer i was just in a homecoming mood um so i watched homecoming and then the other night i didn't know what to put on and i was like you know what i need some korg in my life i bought a couple thor ragnarok t-shirts t-shirts online that are coming soon 
And I was like, I need some Ragnarok in my life. So I watched Thor Ragnarok again. Um, just kind of those movies you can just, I had them on like almost in the background. And right. Laughed along as, as I went. Those are still to this day, I think my two favorite MCU movies. So um, those are the ones I can just throw on at any time and, and watch the entire thing. But so. Matt, you got to leave some room, room open for contamination. Yeah. When are you going to see that movie? I uh, When I wasn't working, I, I, I was in a groove where I was watching stuff all the fucking time. But now you get home from work at like... 5 30 or, or whatever six um i'm lucky i live close to my office but um and then you only have so many hours before you go to fucking sleep that you just got to decide what whether it's a podcast i want to catch up with or uh, a movie i actually want to watch or something i haven't seen something i do i have seen a fucking tv show god forbid if i want to get into one of those that the investment on something there so um, again, not a, a weird thing to complain about, but uh, I haven't been watching as much as I really would like. And um, the only other thing, uh, I, those are the only two movies I've watched. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about right now too is uh, is Game of Thrones. We talked on the, the last bells, episode. The bells. So we kind of have bells. two episodes to talk about, but we can kind of skip. Or wait, yeah, we have the the episode after the Battle of Winterfell, right? Yeah, which I remember um, almost nothing. Right. Other than the Starbucks coffee cup. Uh, yeah, I remember it being fine. And then right. the ending. Okay, so wait, time out for a sec. Um, we're going to go into spoilers uh, right now for Game of Thrones. So I'm going to actually make a note. So can you remember what time that was? Can yeah, you write 49. It down? Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to say it out loud. <laughs> well, I, we're, it's it's a real-time uh, podcast. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, I'm going to make a note so I can put in the notes that people... Uh, to stop listening at this time and we'll tell them when we're done spoilers but if you didn't see that uh we're gonna spoil game of thrones for the next probably 20 25 30 minutes maybe so um i will put that into the notes um uh yeah so we have two episodes spoilers are gonna start in three two one um yeah i mean the the episode after the Battle of Winterfell was fine. I remember I liked some of the character moments a little bit better than the stuff that happened in the episode before. Um, but what I really wanted to talk to you about was the second last episode, which just aired last night, which was called The Bells. The right? Bells, The Bells, um, The Bells. And dude, uh, the internet was ablaze today. With hot um, takes. Yeah, just all the fire puns. <laughs> um, it seems like, I mean... I never know with internet reaction whether it's, you know, that vocal minority or hyperbole or things like that or if that's genuinely what people thought about the episode. And um, because I think with the Battle of Winterfell, it was a little bit split, right? right? Like I feel like a lot of people really enjoyed it, but there was a big, um, like a large amount of people, um, kind of like if you compared it to The Last Jedi, right? Like there were the people, I think Last Jedi is much better, but again, we fall on right. that side of the camp. But um, a little bit more divisive where I felt like last night's episode, which was basically the big battle at King's Landing for the throne, essentially. And uh, Daenerys just goes apeshit and just uh, kills everyone. <laughs> yep. And you, we saw the demise of, of many people. Uh, first, Lord Varys gets killed at the beginning of the episode for betraying Daenerys by telling uh, Tyrion at the end of that uh, the last episode um, what he uh, he was planning to overthrow her with with. Jen Snee or trying to right um and then it just escalates from there and 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 she's one pissed off 
uh, queen, and she goes into King's Landing with her dragon and fucking... Well, she's not just a piss-off queen. She becomes a genocidal maniac. Yeah, which I think is the... I joked about being like, uh, I mean, a random heel turn. Not random. Sure, people will argue that they've been hinting at this. Fine. I understand that they've shown that she is hot-headed and... And young. Um, I think and, also yeah. that is a big factor. When you have too much power at, at, at a certain age, that can But go it goes head. against everything... Well, they so quickly, for, I think yeah. I think they rush. If they had taken one whole season to as a really slower burn this... to kind of show her slow uh, demise into madness yeah. or whatever to become the Mad Queen, like I I totally get that. I mean, they've been hinting at it with her father and and and, and everything throughout the series. Like Don't get Cersei me wrong, but... o- earned the right to be the big bad of yeah. this season and 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 become a complex character throughout the entire run like she was yeah she was a horrible person and you kind of rooted against her like she's the stephanie mcmahon of uh uh game of thrones yeah um oh god what does that make triple h uh jamie (laughs) oh god um but but the writing and the performance was over a period of time and that was really truly earned um, by the end of it. And with this, I felt like they just kind of like, well, we only have, you know, two hours and 20 minutes in total left with this show. So let's just, uh, let's get to this, this final, you know, transformation or this final character arc that kind of feels like we just shoehorned it in, um, for the last episode. Yeah. Like it's, it's wasted. It betrays uh, the character, it betrays the writing and it feels betrays the fans. I yeah, think. and and it and, and not I, that we're owed anything or we're entitled to yeah, anything. Pun or, included at this point, but season eight, I've just been burnt out on Game of Thrones. Yeah, and I mean, I felt that when when I originally, I mean, I don't know what episode it was when I was like, oh shit, I'm really enjoying it. I'm I'm making my way through the series, and I I hit season five, and I just kind of lost it. And then I binge watched six and seven and there are a few bright spots right and then even in season eight there are moments that i i've enjoyed but overall it's just tough to see and we were talking about television and and which shows did a similar thing where they went on maybe a bit too long or or they didn't know how to wrap things up and and the shows kind of crumbled near the end uh specifically i mentioned how i met your mother which i think is 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 the ending of that is just atrocious and and ruined one of the the better sitcoms of of modern memory and and dexter as well which i think we were talking about might only have two good seasons in it right um but should have ended after season three or i think it might have been the fourth season with john lithgow though right but either way should have ended after john lithgow season and um which is the the peak of that show and a show that i'm obsessed with lost that lost people in seasons four five and six right after the third season and it seems like a lot of shows just peak in that third fourth season and then never quite get back to their former glory and right. they never know how to wrap things up and but a lot of those shows that you did mention had you know 22 23 episodes where this is condensed a little bit more right, right? like you it's like they have you know six to eight episodes on average. So it's like, this should be like a prime cut of television. Like this is and their feature length episodes a lot of the times too. Right. And it weirdly does feel rushed. Like how do you build this up? Especially for for a show that has taken the time in the first five seasons to build 
the world and build the strategy of these characters so wonderfully and then all of a sudden it's like no we're done now like we We have to go 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 right and like it's just so unfortunate and um it's just it but again like i i some of these character arcs with cersei and jamie and like jamie who who started off as a shitbag um ends as a shitbag and like again maybe with the moment with him and Tyrion, which is really nice, but like, I and sure he's probably the one who rang the bells and it didn't do anything, but um, it just that doesn't excuse him from again going back with Cersei and and after all the horrible shit she's done and like you wanted a good redemption story from him and him going and fighting with the North and and uh, as fan servicey as the Brienne stuff was or or, or whatever, it just feels. So kind of whatever for him to just go back and then his moment by uh, getting st- stabbed by Joshua Jackson a couple times and then and then um, going and hugging Cersei in this fucking cave and they both die that way and it just feels so underwhelming. Like, didn't you want that? Like, uh, sure, Daenerys is the one who ends up killing Cersei, but like tangentially like she just makes the whole fucking castle crumble she kills everyone so it doesn't right. even feel it's such a cop like out. it doesn't feel meaningful at all she just literally kills everyone and like everything Daenerys has stood for and and again I thought she was an entitled spoiled brat in the first season which is why I didn't like her and like um and I just felt she was kind of a mean girl right and then or she the, the, up, as some people have said already you know the white feminist or the the, the white savior right yeah and um, I saw that in the first season and I remember talking to people because I didn't have the character development then that a lot of people did. And I, I remember mentioning Denevis and other people being like, I don't fucking like her at all. Why no. do you guys all love her? And like a lot of people love she has that dragons, character. man. And then um, and then I started to there are moments in the series again, probably when she's doing good more than bad, where right. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yes. Breaker of chains. Yes. This is awesome. Like you're doing good things for this this kingdom and then for you to build for them to build all of that up and then her just on a whim because she's pissed off or that she like she kills all these innocent people and children and women and like and all these people that she would have she was fighting for and then she just slaughters everyone it right. just doesn't make any sense to me like again because it felt rushed. Like if you again, to your point, if they would have taken this entire season um, to build that up, and that's the twist in the final episode, and I know there's another season coming. Like, why the fuck didn't they do this last season? Right, and they could and, have, and have her be the big bad in the entire season. Like now, what? She's the bad guy in one fucking episode. Who cares? It doesn't make any sense. And, I mean, all it is really doing strategically is 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 making it more easier for the audience to root for the Starks to regain the throne. Right, which is that's where it looks like it's heading, but I almost hope that doesn't happen just so they do something that's more interesting. He's getting that throne. Sir Davos. I love Sir Davos. And, like, um... I, maybe it'll be Arya or I, I guess See, Arya is the one person I am that would be now m- just the most satisfying, <laughs> I guess. She's yeah. the one who killed the night night king and she's But even that like, we we talked we, about we talked that about how underwhelming that was. And, and that's what we're talking about where you have seven seasons of build up and then they just kinda like out the the endings for all of it. Yeah. Like the Night King's 
been built up as this insane big bad and then there's one episode of him trying to attack the the thing and he gets shanked and then he's gone and then it's like I don't know, man. It's like I think that's why Bran isn't doing anything because he knows how bad this conclusion is. And then you set all like, of that up, and then like, what the fuck are you doing with any of that? Like, you're not really doing anything with him. No. And like, not that we even want that because we don't even care about it. But like, you set up his powers and what he does and all this stuff. And sure, he he knew kind of what was going to happen with the Night King, which is maybe what was his destiny. And like, I almost like fucking Theon's character arc more than i like fucking daenerys's like give me a break right like uh and jamie's too and and again who else oh we saw the the hound versus uh, the mountain the mountain which is something people have been waiting for a long time and and the mountain's basically darth vader and um it was cool i guess like them fighting with it crumbling but even the choreography in that was I mean, I know you have this giant fucking dude fighting, so it's going to be a little bit slower, but um, it, it it even felt like I liked that. Like, I like the, the Hound a lot, and I, I thought his arc was it was interesting, just set out for revenge. But the whole thing, I don't know. I don't want to sound super, super... I mean, I am pretty negative on the episode, but... It's so, anticlimactic in, in the worst which, way where... This you, whole season you, feels that way. Yeah, right? you've invested so much time, well, a lot of people have, and... You know, these last two episodes should be, you know, really poignant and impactful. And they're turning out to be uh, the worst, not even fan service, because they're not even giving fans really what they want. They're giving them what they don't want. It's almost like they, they've just kind of gone against the material in general and said, it's like you know they're what? going for shock value. Yeah. And, and they're it. saying, screw George uh, R. Martin completely. And let's just, you know, drive this into the ground as quickly as possible. Yeah. Can't wait for Thrones, though. The prequel. Man, I don't... This might... I can't believe they had the biggest thing on the planet and this last season might ruin it. <laughs> like, Because, yep. again, people... It has only, already. You only remember a show, like, again, based on its, like... I mean, the you gotta stick the landing or else people are just gonna turn on you. And, like... I, I really have a weird feeling that after the reaction of this season, unless they literally pull a Hail Mary in the last episode and it ends up being poignant and beautiful and and perfectly <laughs> wrapped up, which I really highly doubt, um, I could see them doing the Deadwood thing or but way Or Martin quicker. just releases the books and then um, they adapt those directly. Yeah, you were mentioning that, which would be a very interesting choice if they did the thing that they've been doing with movies lately where they're like, let's ignore uh, two and three and just do a sequel to this. Imagine if they go back and they're like, all right, uh, actually, that was Bran's uh, Bram or Bran? Raisin Bran or, or Bram like in... I think it's Bran. Bran with an N. Yeah, okay. two N's. Uh, Bran, um, they could be like, oh, it was his vision the whole time, and it wasn't actually happening. It was, it was yeah, no, it was uh, him still tripping out at... Yeah. Uh, uh, with Ma- Max von Sydow. <laughs> no, I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to say the, the, the three-eyed uh, raven. The giving but, tree? No, 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 it, uh, at the uh, the Long Night episodes. Right, where he's just chilling. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. Like, I could see them going, oh, man, we need to... I, like... It would be smart, I think, to maybe, maybe the whole thing is a twist where they're like, "Ha, you guys thought this was the final season. It actually isn't." Right. <laughs> like, but it'd be worse if it the was biggest like, twist. like it was all a dream, and it was like it goes to the it's first in a episode. Um, but yeah, like I think uh, Benny and Off and um, Weiss, like 
these guys are going to be writing the blueprint for a new Star Wars trilogy. Trilogy, and it's like if they rush through this at the the most important moment, how are they going to treat a three picture, you know, arc? Yeah, are they going to do it the same way where the first movie is, you know, really dense and and rich with character and narrative and world building and then just completely shit the bed in that last film because like they to me like this whole season basically feels like a big f you to everyone that has put all the time that they in the rest of the show yeah like say what you will about seasons like five six and seven but five's boring but they're not nothing was ever really like truly awful or bad right where people are actually saying like last night's episode and this whole season in general is bad television like it's just not great storytelling yeah because you you've been building to this these moments and like all you're left with now is a betrayal of character and story and it's just left a bad taste in your mouth and and it really has jumped the shark yeah and i'm i'm not saying you have to give people what they want you Um, look like you have devil horns yeah. You've got uh, two hairs like oh, sticking out in it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not one to be like, but again, I hate to compare everything to Endgame, but going back, that, that was also a very difficult thing of of, of, of ending, and, and even though it's going to continue. Just like Game of Thrones is going to continue, you're, you're bullshitting yourself if you don't think. Yeah, I can't wait for the is. Fantastic Beast version of uh, Game of Thrones. Which is that throne show. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you're mentioning en- uh, Endgame, but I mean, both of them are, are like, I mean, one is television, but both of them are very much... Episodic. Yeah, yeah and, and it feels like, you know, this is the end of a very specific narrative that's been told over a very long period of time about the same amount of time right yeah and and now we're coming to a conclusion and yes i mean the one criticism that you can make with endgame 100 is that it was very much pandering yeah but at least the pandering felt earned was earned but also was satisfying yeah and, and it felt like you know that time that you've invested in 22 movies has been worth it and it felt true to each of those characters yeah. even if it was pandering or fan servicey or anything like that like and again very different shows but i mean i think there's more similarities than we think of of yeah 10 years of storytelling ending around the same time those first four seasons of game of thrones are so good and it just feels like they've thrown it out the window basically you know mm-hmm. um but maybe it's maybe they maybe they peak too soon, like like you mentioned, like it's just, and you yeah. Sometimes you just go on a little too long, or or sometimes um, it's the opposite. I mean, uh, we'll be talking about the trailer either die for, a hero or live for for Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. Leftovers actually started getting really good or coming into its own as it as was it ending, got canceled. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole saying of you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become, become the, the villain. villain. Yeah. I mean, it's just so true even in, in aspects like this. So, um, yeah, not a great episode, not a great season. Um, still very curious of how they will end it. So, and it will be playing in some theaters as well. Cineplex has a, a, a an event coming up next Sunday and uh, I'm sure that it will be playing in the U.S. as well. And yeah, I know it's a, an event through Crave and Bell and Rogers here. Um, yeah. I think you had to get like a special code to get a ticket. Um, 
so I'd be yeah, I think that would be a cool experience. I mean, um, although it could be a very disappointing one too, right? I think, but at least you could share it with. Other I mean, can people. it be any worse than last week? Right? It so, could be. I think we should record at least Sunday after Game of Thrones or Monday morning. That way, yeah, or we, we should do like a it. special review segment just to that. Oh, well, maybe we'll do it on the review podcast. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Actually, let's do an episode. Oh, look at us producing on the fly. Uh, yeah, let's do a let's do an actual review episode of the finale. Yeah, um, for untitled movie reviews. Cool, great idea. All right, uh, let's make a note when this was. Can you write that time down too? You don't need to say it out loud. But... Well, I will. One oh seven for symmetry. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on to uh, staying at home. Eric, you have anything? Uh, I mean, you're writing down the time. I can go into my digital picks if you want. Yeah, man. Um, so my digital picks for this week. Oh, my friend Ryan Byrne just texted me, but I won't read that now. Oh, God, it's not reading my face. Uh, show notes. All right, on digital this week, I picked out a bunch of 4Ks that were on sale that I think are worth the money. So Mission Impossible Fallout is a 4K, $10. The Favorite, 4K, $10. Jumanji 2, 4K, $10. Uh, Goosebumps 2, 4K, $10. Don't know if it's any good, it's but I not, watched Matt. the first How dare one. You? I, see, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm like, you know, $10 for a 4K. And then you'll be less... like, I wish I had the $10. Yeah, I probably won't buy it. But anyways, it's $10 if you want it. Uh, Girl in the Spider's Web, also not a great movie, but $10 if you haven't seen it. Uh, Sicario 2, a good movie, not a great movie, but a good movie, $10. Uh, White Boy Rick, 4K, $10. Star Trek 2000. You might like that one. I, I do want to watch it, so uh, that's definitely on my list. I will probably pick that up for $10. Uh, Star Trek, uh, the 2009 J.J. Um, Abrams, uh, 4K, uh, $8. And lastly, Love, Simon in 4K for $7. So, um, I mean, all of those movies are $10 or under in 4K if you have an Apple TV 4K, um, which is my preferred uh, device. Uh, so any of those, I think, um, again, quality ranges, but $10 is... There's some really good stuff in there. I mean, I would never, like, I mean, Star Trek is JJ's for $7? movie. For seven dollars, that movie's fantastic. And four K, it looks great. Go go buy that. And um, I mean, yeah, ten dollars is less than you're gonna pay to actually go to the movies, and you can get a movie at four K, Dolby Vision, and Dolby Atmos at home. I can't so. believe that movie was ten years ago. Is it the tenth anniversary? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Wow. I was working at the theater. Uh, on physical. Yes. Yeah, so physical media. Uh, one of my favorite films of the year so far is uh now available on Blu-ray, which is Apollo Eleven. Um, Ooh, and nice. uh, I've talked about it uh, on the show already, but if you have not seen this movie, um, and and hadn't had the chance to see it in the theaters, if you know somebody or if you have a, a, a great entertainment system at home, um, I think it's it's available also uh digitally, right as well. Um, but I think it's worth owning because it's it's a piece of of history, and you know owning a copy of something like this is is worth revisiting and and going back to and always having on the shelf. I mean, um, it's an event in in mankind and human history that has never really been repeated in in the significance of, and um, it's beautifully uh, captured as a real time thriller, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Cool. 
Yes. Do you know what else I have? Yep. Uh, you have a uh, Field of Dreams. In yes. 4K? Yes. So the Kevin Costner baseball movie from 1989, 30th anniversary this year, uh, is finally coming out on, on our 4K. 30th episode, and we're both 30. What? Uh, it's uh, it's kind of a hokey movie, but 100. percent But I like it. I kind of like it too. And I, I mean, obviously, you know, the the line "If you build it, they will come" has always been very memorable and sort of has permeated its way through pop culture. Um, and it was Burt Lancaster's last movie as well. Um, but yeah, like there's just something about it, like that emotionally kind of gets to me as well where it's like a, a great father and son story um it was uh, when you get to see ray liotta and his uh father uh be brought back who's played by ray liotta oh yeah uh, we've, we've mentioned ray liotta twice on this podcast already with hannibal and now this uh, but yeah it's just a feel-good movie like it's like it's the perfect like it's it's to me like it is a comfort food kind of film yeah totally and then yeah. you had um Funny Games. Is it the Criterion? Yes. So this is the the Michael Haneke movie. This is not an easy recommendation, but um, if you haven't seen the original version, this is the Austrian version. Which I haven't. uh, The remake that he did. Classic Matt Uh, move. Only watch the remake. Right. Um, But it it is basically the same film. Shot for shot. Um, Shot for shot. Because that was the experiment in sort of seeing if there would be really any difference, you know, setting it in the U.S. versus Austria. Um, but it is one of the most brutal, unflinching movies, and it was one of the first films that, when I was watching, that I watched, that I realized that the director is actually fucking with you, Mm -hmm. and he's not going to give you the satisfaction of, you know, a redemption or a revenge that you, you want, a catharsis that you want. Yeah. And it's also very cruel in that regard, and sometimes, like life, life is not always kind to people and that's the way that he plays with this movie and i just remember like you know there's a sequence where you think things play out a certain way yeah and you're like yeah and then it rewinds and you're like no and he realized that the whole time that you are not in control yeah hanukkah is in control yeah i really like I, I mean i've only seen the american remake i mean well not i mean the english language remake yeah um and i really liked it but i should go back and, and revisit this and it's creepy too like as a home invasion movie it's uh it's quite subversive one thousand percent all right moving to talking trailers all right we got to do another spoiler warning uh this time for tom holland saw yeah, uh, I mean, he does that in the trailer, but uh, we're going to be talking about the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer now, um, so for the next five, ten minutes or so, uh, we'll be spoiling Endgame, which you guys have heard us talk about, but the spoiler ban has lifted on Endgame, and I mean, I think you've seen it by now if you're listening to this, but maybe you haven't, so if you haven't, please pause for the next five or ten minutes, and we will be back. Uh, so Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, they waited two weeks after Endgame, um, was released. They lifted this quote unquote spoiler ban and, uh, dropped this trailer, which is now attached as the post credit scene in Endgame for future screens. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, uh, uh, much like they did with the Avengers, right? At the end of, um, Captain America or was it? Yeah. There's like that weird avengers trailer at the end so i that's what they've been doing starting i think this weekend um or this past weekend they they attached this trailer to the end of Endgame. now is this only in north america or do we know i think everywhere i don't know so um anyways yeah so the 
I love I loved this trailer and I what I loved most about it I mean I just said that Spider-Man and Ragnarok are my two favorite MCU movies and um Spider-Man's my favorite comic book character probably of all time I mean Batman I think he's dethroned Batman recently just because Batman's just had has had a rough go the last Well also Batman is um, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah, I know. That is true. Michael Keaton's amazing in, in Homecoming, and he'll be in Far From Home. We haven't seen him yet, but I think they're setting up that Sinister Six, and we might actually get a good version that they actually go through with. Right. Um. But anyways, this trailer uh, really picks up right as Endgame en- finishes. And, and uh, again, I'm going to spoil stuff, so if you didn't pause it yet, uh, it really deals with the repercussions of, of Tony Stark dying right and and you see how that affects spider-man and and um we get a little bit more of mysterio here and how he he's working with nick fury and that they need spider-man's help and then the big quote-unquote i'm using air quotes reveal from mysterio is that he's he's from earth but not this earth he is a multiverse which they have just basically ripped off the spider-verse yeah i know but um again remember who's saying that line right and like this movie Again, but I, I, I know that they're going to do some sort of twist because, again, I love the twist in Homecoming 2 with Michael Keaton as, um, I forget the girl's name, but her her dad. Yeah. Um, I thought that was incredibly well Vulture executed. Vulture Jr.? Yeah, incredibly well executed in that movie to the point where I'm like, I didn't see it coming and it did right. feel a bit like it felt earned even though it was convenient. But it even like plays that, but... in perfectly to the you know uh the the father intimidating the date oh my god dude that scene is fucking awesome and just <laughs> even them driving oh to... my god and him looking at him in the mirror and he's like and, Ke- uh, and keaton can be quite intimidating when he wants to be what's the line he does and his delivery is like oh you're friendly or your your buddy spider-man or something yeah. it's just it's so good michael keaton is amazing so I, i'm curious to see how jake gyllenhaal and how the what that you know that there's going to be a heel turn there and i'm fine with that but right. like well because we um, know that as you as you mentioned you know quentin beck is is a character that is full of tricks and lies and a, illusions yeah. and i have a feeling that those that like hydra man and stuff like that are just his concoction yeah and i'm curious of how that will because if if he's a special effects master right then he could create these things with using some sort of machinery like like, yeah imagine if he if it's revealed that he it's all smoke and mirrors maybe he 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 stole a bunch of things from tony stark or something Right. right maybe how that that's how they play into it um and that's how he built his suit and these um maybe he builds things to create these elementals which will be right. in the movie. I just hope that um, we get a lot of scenes where we see him with the, the fishbowl fish on I his head so because too. I do love the look of Mysterio. I don't Mysterio. think we will though. No, I no. love the look of Mysterio. I'm so glad that they went with the fishbowl look and not and didn't try to like they modernized it but like made it kind of look cool, which is crazy. Right. Um, but yeah, like they still... didn't modernize it in the sense that they, they, they completely destroyed Electro. Yes. Um, yes. But even the way that they incorporated the Shocker in Homecoming, right, with just that yellow jacket and like right. and things like that, I thought that was really cool. And it had even, multiple Shockers. Yeah, and even having um, Vulture, and he, he wore his, his big feathery fucking leather jacket at the end, but it oh, looked God, cool. that leather jacket's awesome. It's like, it's so cool. And then like even the way his wings are built from the, the parts from the Battle of New York and stuff is really awesome. And I think they're doing a great job with that stuff. 
and you know there's something off with Nick Fury probably like he could either be um, an illusion an illusion or someone say like some were saying that he could be the chameleon which could be really cool or something to do with the scrolls if they're setting that up of like um, I know they were spoilers for Captain Marvel good guys in that but um, who knows how many splintered off or what's going on there but um, it's, it's, it's intriguing, right? Cause this Setting- is also, we should mention this is, this is the official end of phase three. So it'll also be interesting to see <clears throat> what this entails for the future. And I mean, we, we also got recently, uh, Disney released their slate of, uh, upcoming releases. We'll get, we'll go more into that soon, but, um, where this ends and, and, and closes one chapter, what, Will it leave open to tell the next, right. you know, ten years? So worth is it of this stories? multiverse thing? Like, I mean, we already know the multiverse exists because of Endgame and Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, but it, I have a feeling that they might be leading to Secret Wars eventually. But that, uh, I mean, who knows? But at least in this film, I think they they want you to think it's the multiverse thing, and maybe. Quentin Beck has some knowledge of, of what happened during the snap, or again, maybe if he stole some Tony tech or something like that. Um, that's why I think, so here's my theory. Like, did you okay. read, I, I posted this on Twitter if people want to look at it, but I, I can go more in detail. I won't go too long into detail, but I realized when I was sitting at home inebriated <laughs> in a way, um, you were smoking your own bowl. Uh, um, oh, I, <laughs> I was watching Homecoming and I like paused it or I, or as the last fight uh, happened with Vulture, I was like sitting there and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even like clue in that we kind of had our Uncle Ben moment, right? Like we always talked about like, oh, this Spider-Man doesn't, Uncle Ben's not important, right? It happened, but we don't need to see it. We've seen it a million times, right? right? Um, but, but we also I, saw it in Endgame as well. Well, that's what I'm talking about right. is that we, we did see it in Endgame. We got the Uncle Ben moment with Tony and right. I, I didn't clue into that really until I was watching Homecoming again and thinking about how we always talked about like don't do the same shit over and over again. We don't need to – Uncle Ben dying is the one ongoing thing, right? Like right. the joke of like we fucking understand. Uncle Ben dies. Great power comes great responsibility. Um, so but it that, also makes it even more powerful because it's now it's like Peter's lost – Two, well, I guess three, because of having his no father. father yeah. But like any male figure in his life has been killed, right? And we know the Uncle Ben thing was probably still very important to him. But the Tony thing is what we know in this universe is kind of like, it, as as film goers and, and fans of the MCU, is that's our Uncle Ben moment, right? Which I I just didn't clue into, and I thought was really awesome. And then it looks like in Far From Home that they're really playing into that. And like, we are kind of getting that familiar story of how Spider-Man deals with Uncle Ben's death, but just replacing that with Tony, right? And how he moves on and how he struggles with that. And I, I just thought that was really, really an, an interesting, fresh way of, of taking this character that's been beaten to death, like with cartoons and movies of the same story over and over again and kind of making it <clears throat> kind of unique. And, um, I thought that was really cool. And again, going back to my theory that maybe Quentin Beck is actually from our universe because he is a master of illusions and he's a stuntman and and he worked on movies and things like that, that 
Um, maybe it's something to do with Tony, and then that's how they'll kind of tangentially include Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark in this movie because we've seen a lot of it throughout the trailer. And then what I loved is that shot of Peter with Tony's glasses from Endgame or for, from Infinity War, sorry. And I, I loved the idea in my head of that. I mean, maybe it's too soon to have a Robert Downey Jr. voiceover kind of message thing. But again, it would just be his voice. It wouldn't be him appearing at all. And he could have easily recorded this at right after Endgame or right before or things like that. I think they shot this after Endgame. Um, not like a Captain Marvel situation, right? Right. Um, but I love the idea of him bringing back the thing, the that really old movie line and then referencing They Live and then having... Tony have this message of going, Hey kid, like I left you this suit and like having a final message to Peter and like, and being, and then maybe, I don't know how exactly you would write this. It would sound much better than how I'm explaining it. But, um, essentially being like, I left you these suits, which we see the noir suit. We see the iron spider suit and we see the regular Spider-Man suit. So maybe he leaves him a bunch of different spider suits, but then also leaves him these glasses, which has a message on it. And then kind of goes, maybe he learned about either the scrolls or like all this stuff that's happened over the last 10 years of how he said this universe is growing and there's aliens and there's shapeshifters and, and whatever that he built into the tech, this thing. So you can tell if someone's a human or if they're imitating someone or, or again, something along those lines. And then he references like, Hey, I know you love old movies or, or something like that. Cause he references obviously that really old movie empire strikes back in, in civil war. And then he references aliens in in infinity war. So I just thought it could be cool if he referenced, they live and then used his glasses for him to, cause the shot in the trailer is Peter pulling off Tony's glasses and then saying, Oh my God. And I just feel like that could play into the reveal of the, like Mysterio's kind of heel turn or Peter figuring out about Mysterio and that Tony's built it into his tech. And maybe if Mysterio is using Tony's tech, that it, that's how he can find out that what he's doing is is kind of bullshit. And right. um, I don't know if They Live is a big enough reference, but I mean, movie dorks would like it, right? And right. Like, well, I mean, the, the, it seems like it has had a resurgence in the last... I don't know. I just thought that was cool. That's my like theory. The, you know, obey and capitalism and that's what I, things like, like that. So, I don't know. You heard it here first. If it happens, Nostradamus, me. Right. Uh, anyways, that was... It just sounded really cool in my head because they'd done these old movie references and, and or uh, old in quotes. Um, but there's gotta be something going on with Mysterio that like, again, or maybe the, the less obvious thing is to actually make him a hero the whole time. And then you're, you're expecting the heel turn, but it never comes. But, um, I think with having Scorpion and Vulture both in prison and you have Mysterio here, and then you could set up Chameleon or someone else. I mean, Sandman is technically one of the elementals that they show, um, whether that's an illusion or not, um, I think you could set up Sinister Six for the third movie, right? If you include two two villains each movie, right? Was Craven a part of the Sinister Six at one point? It's like Avengers where well, people swap in and out, right? right? But like Doc Ock, Doc Ock too, is like... the big one, and I think like if anything, they'll probably set that up for three to be like he would be the leader of. The Sinister, the Sinister Six, Six yeah. and like also mentioning glasses. I mean, like there could be something with that as well. Yeah, I mean, whether you set up Norman Osborn or, or J. Jonah Jameson in this as well. Um, but 
They just bring J.K. Simmons back, though. I would, though. Like, that, no shit, I would just, like, I would just bring him back. Just do that thing that they did in Batman and James Bond and different things where they just had the same Alfred or the same. Yeah, you don't uh, need to explain it. No, it's just who cares? They were perfect in the role. Just let them continue doing it. It right. doesn't. It doesn't matter. So uh, I would love if 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 J.K. Simmons came back. I, I don't at this point. I don't know how you would cast anyone else. But yeah, I don't either. Um, but anyways, that's. I, I think it looks great. I don't, you were a big fan of Spider Man, right? Sorry, I did. Yeah, right? it's 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 one of my favorite of the Marvel movies, and um, I just it actually allowed the kids to be kids for a and while. And I hope this movie does that as yeah. well, too. Well, I mean, like, it looks like it's going to be, like, a fun kind of, like, summer vacation movie as well, on top of being a superhero film. Yeah, taking place mostly in Europe. Yeah, yeah, and and so I hope that's going to be good. But I, I, the only thing I worry about with this is, is that it just gets too big. What I really loved about Homecoming is that, the, the, the you know, the... the 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 scale was smaller and and the stakes were not the world is going to end. I'm with you, yeah. And and that's kind of what I liked about it. And and I think you need that movie after having Endgame. I think you need a movie where you need to come back down to Earth. Okay, we yeah. And 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 I do like the idea of like okay, who's going to take over the role that Iron Man has left? Like who's going to be the 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 leader, the world defender, and Spider Man does make the perfect sense just in terms of you know his his place in the in Marvel Comics in general. Yeah. Right? So, but I I am with you that I kind of like him as the friendly neighborhood Spider Man for right. now. Him still being a kid, I think maybe when he's eventually older and Tom Holland's getting older and old, like if they keep shooting these movies every two or three years, he's going to be, he's already Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. He's already a man, but like he can only play a teenager for so much longer. Right. And then you can um, still have him like, you know, graduate and go to college. I mean, if they were able to do that with Andrew Garfield, who was almost in his (laughs) thirties when the first amazing Spider-Man movie was being made when he was in high school. Yeah. Yeah, So I, you know, like and Tom Holland looks younger too. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like him as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I don't want it get it to get too big. I don't mind the whole field trip angle. I wish it was called field trip, not far from home. Right. Um, well, you got to put home in all three. I of think those that's titles dumb. I Tennessee, think you just right? make them school themed. Right. You could have done like homecoming, field trip, and then done another Spider-Man Magic School Bus. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. I th- I hope they. I, I love how convenient it was that all his classmates got snapped as well because they're all still his age. Right. Um, which I'm sure they'll make a, a joke about. And Well, they um, have to. I think. Yeah. And I hope it's still very funny like the original one yeah. too. Yeah. Because it will be. But. Well, I mean, they, they it also depends who you put in the supporting roles. I mean, there were a lot of comedians that were, you know, playing the teachers, right? And uh, this time the, the latest. J.B. Smooth. Yeah. It's yeah. J.B. Smooth. So, yeah. Um, which I didn't realize. Did you realize that character originated in an Audi commercial? for spider-man homecoming no i didn't he was a driver's ed teacher and he's playing the same character from that commercial as in this movie now brilliant so that commercial is now part of the marvel cinematic universe it's one of the marvel one shots now right uh which i've never watched so i should go back and but again i mean continuity and what have you and uh they were just playing that up. I think that's smart um yeah so i i'm i'm excited for it and i'm just curious to see how this is going to close phase three and how it's going to set up what's to come. So 
last thing before we move on to our next trailer do you think it sets up anything big for phase four do you think you well see i think a, i think just mentioning the multiverse i think that there's something that's what there yeah. yeah you don't see like a norman osborn or a fantastic four baxter oh building i'm sure there'll or, be something that'll set up spider-man 3 or whatever the third one but i mean even marvel so if you put the baxter like i think they do something with avengers tower right because in the first spider-man movie you set up that they were selling it right and then uh tony was moving out of avengers tower which is uh with happy hogan um, right yeah like you said oscorp or something like that. it's got to be either oscorp or the baxter building right right it's got to be one of those um and you think at some point that i I, my prediction is that it's the post credit scene for this one is that it it, you you find out that building's oscorp yeah or the the post credit scene will be um gyllenhaal in jail joining We're talking up. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Because yeah. Michael Keaton is on the, the cast list, but, but he's not included in the main cast. So, so do you think it's just a post credits probably? Yeah. Or it'll be an opening scene or so- something like it, like with Keaton specifically, but yeah, I could see like the post credit scene being, you know, like Keaton. Do and- you think Mysterio is also in jail now? They just put everyone in the same jail. Yeah. Everyone goes to the same jail. They sent him from Europe to, yeah. Yeah. Extradition. Extradition. <laughs> you talk Australian all of a sudden, buddy. Uh, all right. That's it for... Uh, Spoonie. I'm excited for Far From Home. Uh, very, very excited. I can't believe it's, what, two months away? Tickets are already on sale. Yeah, it's opening on July 2nd, right? Which is so weird, right? Yeah. Like a Tuesday? Well, it's the Memorial no... Day. Is it? Mem- no. Well, it's... July 1st is Canada Day, but right. it is Memorial Day weekend, but that's not until the next weekend, right? Because right. that's... It, July 4th. Yeah. So I. No, Memorial Day's next week, right? Oh, sorry. I don't know. Well, I'm yeah, thinking Memorial 4th of Day's July. Memorial next week because it's the end of. Because we have a long weekend coming up for Victoria Day. Day and that's Memorial. Isn't that Memorial I Day? In- I don't know how any of this shit works. But 4th of July would be that, yes, that holiday. Which is usually reserved for Big Willie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not so much anymore. No, um, it's Big Webby. But it's weird that it's a Tuesday it's opening and it's not doing Monday night screenings. It's just opening on Tuesday, which is the day we all go back to work after the long weekend too. So like I'm struggling right now because I, I will get a press invite. Sure. I don't know. I'm hoping it's on the Friday because I have that off work. Right. Um, but I don't know if that's leaving it to the last minute. kind. Well, of, especially but. for reviewers as well, because some people don't review anything until the friday or the thursday depending if there's a holiday on a friday um for you know television spots right so it's 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 weird to hold it that long yeah it'll be it's 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 a weird thing at coming out on the tuesday because and again with these 3d and 2d imax screenings the 2d screenings are always the ones during the day excuse me and then the night screenings are always the 3d ones but um yeah i don't know i'm i'm i can't believe God, my cherry coke shouldn't have had it. Um, Chicka cherry cola, like you with the hiccups last week. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 psyched. I'm glad. I mean, Endgame. You almost needed a, a breather from all Marvel stuff, but they just they get you right away. Right. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm already excited. But for I this am stuff. more. I will also say this: I am ten times more excited about this than than I was with Ant Man and the Wasp. I agree completely because. That felt like a stopgap where this feels like, okay, where are we going? Right. Like you set all this stuff up. All right. Moving on to what the fuck is the next trailer I wanted to talk about? Yeah. Uh, good question, Matt. It was – oh, It Chapter 2. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So we got a uh, – they said a teaser trailer, but it was – It's more like a, a scene. A long scene with 
a teaser trailer attached at the end. Yeah. Uh, a weirdly framed trailer. Uh, I was into it, though. Like, I like how they let that scene play out, but... It's better than the TV movie version of I, it, I'm telling uh, is you. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I really dug this trailer. I cannot wait for it. I thought the scene at that with the old woman is incredibly unsettling and I thought was executed very, very well. I would have preferred to probably have that whole sequence just experienced in the film. Like right. I, they, they sat on it maybe a little bit too long um, or maybe I would have cut it a little bit earlier. Like you see her do a bunch of creepy stuff or maybe I could have just uh, been okay with like one of those creepy things happening and then you cut away to other stuff. Yeah. But, but what, what I got from that scene though as well is that they are being extremely faithful to the novel, the, the novel again, but also they're, you know, playing around with how it's sort of portrayed in the moment and, and how the sequence is done. Cause like in the, in the TV movie, what happens in that scene is that the old woman becomes uh, a corpse version of her father. And then it's like the, 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 it says to, you know, I worry about you, Bevy. I worry about you a lot. And that's basically it. And then she gets scared and runs out of the, the apartment. And then you find out that it's an abandoned building and it, is standing there and it's like right. gotcha yeah. and it because basically what it is doing is just trying to scare them off because it is scared of the adult versions of them okay because the adult versions believe that it is real and it has never had to face adults okay so it's trying to like warn them because only kids believed it yeah was real, yeah right? and 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 so it's trying to scare them off to leave dairy and and not go so after he's just them. fucking with them essentially yeah yeah and that's in the novel or the TV movie? Both. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Sounds cool, man. I'm, yeah. I'm and there's something in. I can't talk to you about because you have, but I mean, like it happens right away in the movie. Well, I know the Xavier Dolan thing of the character. No, he's it's not playing. that. Okay. Cause that's and that actually show. happens in the book at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. which will probably kick off this movie. Yes. Cause think. it's, it's a, it's a hate crime. Um, yes. but, the, but in, but in the book, it's the thing that begins the whole movie or the oh, whole wow. book. So you're so, revealed to instead of the sewer scene yeah. that we get, right? Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm really excited. I, I loved uh the first it. Um I love the adult cast that they put together for this. Um I'm very curious to see. My one worry was with an adult cast, how do you make that as scary or as I mean, I don't even think the first it film was scary but i just think it was very well put together and it was unsettling and creepy at times and they just i thought i thought they nailed that nostalgia stranger things imitating the 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 movies of the 80s kind of aesthetic right um and yeah i i I can't wait for more i thought this uh bizarre starting with this big scene but um I thought the rest of it was uh, really interesting, and I, I I really really dug this trailer. Yeah, I did as well. And and again, like it seems like they are going to be pretty faithful to uh, the book, and and also at the same time not do the exact same thing that the miniseries did. Although again, like there are certain images that are very similar. Like they're you know them meeting at the Chinese restaurant is similar to. Uh, the mini series version, yeah. Um, although I, I'm sure there won't be a, a sequence where, um, you know, the 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 main uh, Bill is riding uh, his uh, old bike because they really never introduced uh, old silver. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There's like a whole sequence that's like Bill and Mike, 
hang, hanging out because Mike bought Bill's old bike and they're like, you know, like riding around town and like it, it's just it's like a, it's a strange feel good montage. And, and the back and forth within the the kid cast or the I don't know I didn't word that properly, but um. Is that just going to be like them dealing with the aftermath of the first movie and how See, they all that, kind of See, that move might be away? the newer stuff because yeah. it's it's interwoven through the book. Like it goes back and forth and what happens is like after that hate crime and a a a new rash of children disappearing and dying, um Mike as an adult contacts each one of the losers and says you know you you kept this you made this oath you have to come back right and then from each contact you get the backstory to who they were as kids and that's how the first movie basically unfolds but it's all linear right like okay. it's it's not jumping between the so adult now version and the you kid think version. there might be new stuff that's like them dealing with the yeah aftermath of the events of the first movie and maybe how they move away or yeah or, or it'll, it'll be like them it'll be, looking, or it'll be them coming back and being sort of thinking like oh this is what i remember as being a kid and seeing themselves as kids mm-hmm. in a modern yeah, they dairy. It seems like that. Yeah, yeah, in like their their reflection or or Pennywise, I'm sure will fuck with them. Yeah, because like a lot of them have become successful in what they've moved on to do. Like Richie has become a stand up comedian, but also they've made the mistakes that they that their parents have made or the mistakes that um you would think that they they would like for example i don't think this is really too much of a spoiler yeah, this isn't a spoiler because you see it on on but you see on jessica chastain's wrists that she has these um sleeves these these marks yeah these yeah. sleeves yeah. and you find out that she married a man that was very similar to her, her father oh right interesting yeah i'm 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 psyched man it's probably how i will start tiff this year because i remember the last time when it was like the thursday night yeah because it's september 6th yeah, right, that the, it opens? yeah it's the opening night of tiff so yeah. again we should go see um, that uh do that again because i had a lot of fun seeing that uh yeah that's what we did two years ago right yeah, yeah we went on opening night because we didn't want to see the opening night movie <laughs> yeah and and i think like that first movie again is um, I, I, I've talked about it a lot with you is like, it's one of the best nightmare on Elm street movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I it totally Pennywise agree. is basically Freddy Krueger. So, um, all right, moving on to, uh, some TV, uh, which we don't talk about a lot other than we just spent half an hour on game of Thrones earlier. Um, the trailer for HBO's Watchmen series by Damon Lindelof, uh, just dropped. Um, which is a polarizing uh, showrunner and writer. I love Prometheus. I love Damon Lindelof. Uh, Lost and the Leftovers. Yeah, I do too. I like him as well. I think he. I mean, his. I think name, he got kind of a bad rap. Yeah. Um, and people shit on him, and he kind of was cast out. He's of, an easy target. It's like M yeah. Night Shyamalan, where yeah. it's like it's just easy to make fun of him now. Um, but I think he's a, he's an intelligent guy who um who makes great television and, and he uh, likes what he's doing yeah exactly and i mean we talked about the star trek uh 2009 he had a hand in that as well and and um uh yeah so the trailer dropped for this watchman show which um i didn't realize looks like it's going to be sort of a sequel to um not necessarily Zack snyder's watchman but but the graphic just, novel itself yeah. by alan moore yeah yeah um and or yeah like uh but in the same world it's it's mm-hmm. like the idea of like 
you know, the the characters that you're familiar with in the original graphic novel, how what their influence was or their lasting impact was on society after the events of the countdown clock, right? The original countdown clock and and what ha- I wonder if the squid will be Well, a that's part what of this I mean. Version. Like if it's a sequel to the comic, then the events in the end of the comic were very different than the ends. Like cuz it's it's not although I'm trying to think like it has they have they said if it's a sequel to Zack Snyder's Watchmen or the comic or I don't think they've Say anyways, but anyways, it takes place years and years after uh, the events of Watchmen, whether it's the comic or the movie. And uh, you see an older um, Dr. Manhattan. Um, you see it looks like the series is going to be heavily focused on uh, a group that is imitating Rorschach. Um, yeah. And uh, I just thought this was framed really interesting with the with the group of Rorschachs uh, talking about their cause and then the tick talking that repeating i thought it was well, even very the police and... that are they're not able to be identified and like right. what that even means now and don johnson being the chief of police here in this situation but everyone wears these yellow masks yeah to yeah. hide their identities yeah uh, it and, looks you know like... like what police brutality looks like in this this world but i don't think it's dr manhattan it's it's jeremy irons who's playing um the role that matthew good played. sorry ozzy uh, ozzy yeah, mandeus yeah. sorry that's what i meant dr manhattan's the blue guy yeah <laughs> i meant uh, ozzy he's the blue balls Man- yeah. man ozzy mandeus yeah. right yeah um yeah sorry the blue the blue guy who dies in watchman right doesn't he no 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 he 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 kills rorschach and then goes back to Mars, right? And then yeah. everybody thinks that he was responsible for for the event for the events because yeah. he's he's the hero that everybody needed, but not the one right now. Right, fair. I I do want to go back and I actually liked Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I, I do too. There's some scenes I didn't like, yeah. like the sex the sex scene, scene in the owl <laughs> and uh, uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah playing. I just yeah, it's brutal, a little much. But um, the, the there's the, the director's cut actually has some stuff in there that really works like there's more with steve mccaddy as the original night owl so i want to watch the director's cut but the only one that's on 4k is the ultimate cut which is the one that's way too long that has all the The black freighter stuff yeah that i don't Um, care about that and it's Gerard butler who's the voice of uh, (laughs) the pirate but i i do want to watch it in 4k so i have this weird and it's not available on digital 4k to be fair that's a Um, part of the book as well i think i will graphic novel it's like there's this like alan moore's i mean yeah alan moore is an eccentric but um like there's scenes where like you see like a kid by a comic book stand reading the black freighter and then it goes into the black freighter and you're like it's like a comic book within a comic book and you right? don't even know you, i remember the first time reading i was like what the hell is this? yeah so i i think i i because i haven't watched the ultimate cut yet and um i haven't even seen the director's cut i've actually only seen Watchmen one time in theaters and um, it's also 2009 i liked it but i just haven't had a desire to go back and rewatch it but now that this series is coming out i think i will uh, spend the three hours and 15 minutes or whatever it is watching the ultimate cut because um, I do remember enjoying it quite a bit and this this show looks it looks awesome like I, I, I'm really excited for it and I, it's I, not I've, just retelling the same thing again and yeah which is I a appreciate. great idea I think right like what again what how do you adapt this in a modern world um, and uh, and still feel faithful to the comic but not just be a retelling like you said like it, it's a sequel kind of but 
it's a lot of like there's some of the same characters and well uh, now i also understand what damon lindelof was saying when he was saying it wasn't necessarily an, a straightforward adaptation it kind of reminds you a little bit of prometheus right where it's like it's not necessarily just a prequel it's and it's not necessarily a film that is an alien movie sure, either it takes right? place in that universe but it's something that you're not expecting right like this is something i would love to see in the Star Wars movies. It's like we 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 start to actually move away from the original players and see maybe some of those influences trickle out into other parts of the universe, but tell a new story and do an original story with iconography that we we recognize, but something different. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. So thought this trailer was incredibly well put together and they're smart for premiering it uh two weeks before Game of Thrones is ending because uh, you, I can tell they're doing that. They're they're showing HBO. All eight, uh, <laughs> we want. We're please for the don't next cancel game. us. Yeah. <laughs> don't, we're we're trying to find our next Game of Thrones. Yeah, please Although don't I keep, I've it. only seen the first season and I really liked it, but like Barry seems to be the the I've show. Heard it's great, yeah. critically wise. That is is. But is it? I don't think that's enough for no, your no your, uh, no. It's a niche show. Like, your Joe Schmo yeah. to keep their HBO sh- subscription. It's the right? Deadwood of now. Like, I just don't know if they... Like, Westworld tried to be that, right? But it, it didn't quite no. get there. And they spend... There's too long of a gap in between seasons for Westworld, I think. And they're, They've uh, got a couple other things coming up that look interesting. But they they're just all, released like, mini a trailer. series and stuff well, like they, that. Like, they have Euphoria all, looks Euphoria, cool. Yeah, yeah. And, like, um, I mean, obviously, you have Big Little Lies Season 2. Do you think two, Zendaya which, like, is Michi in that one? Uh, <laughs> Um, Big Little Lies season two, which was totally unnecessary, but is happening. Um, well, again, this is something uh, I'm worried about because I was talking to my brother Kyle about this and he didn't know about, um, season two. And it's like season one was, or that, that season was so perfect. Yeah. And now they don't have, cause this is new material. Like this isn't based on a, a another book. So they're going completely out of... And how do you revisit those characters and not make it feel like hokey? Like in a way of like what could possibly happen where you're like, okay, come on. After all the events in the first movie, like how is this like... You know how you do uh, it? You bring in Meryl Streep. uh, Yeah. Um, My favorite. Um, I don't know. I I can't say that I'm very excited for that just because I do do really love the first season. I never even went back and watched Sharp Objects. It's good. Sharp Objects is... I know it's it's good. It's just... It's more campy though. Like, Although, I mean, I wouldn't say that Big Little Lies doesn't have its moments of kind of almost weirdly... Melodrama. Melodrama. Yeah, yeah, like it, it... even though it's not like Twin Peaks and it's kind of supernatural qualities, but there is a kind of soap opera aspect to it at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, HBO, I think they're they're throwing a lot of shit at the wall and just hoping that something, something sticks. sticks for you guys, for everyone. And, and I don't know if they'll have their next Game of Thrones. I don't think Watchmen is that. I think that's also too niche. But they've had, um, they've had so much success. I mean, like for them to have both Game of Thrones and The Sopranos... Oz, uh, uh, the wire, the wire. Like the, the the content that HBO has released is incredible because any stu- any any cable company any any network would be lucky to have one of those. But to have the continual success that they have had over thirty years is is amazing. Like even stuff that is dated now. Like Entourage, like Entourage was a huge success. Oh, when it, was it was huge on, at the time. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. And don't Sex get... in the City. Yeah, like that was a phenomenon Massive. into yeah. itself. So I don't doubt that they'll find their next thing. Um, it's just we don't know what it is yet. Right? Yeah, like, and I don't think any. I don't think it's caught... anything that's available now. 
I think they're going to have to, I think we're going to just have to wait for them to develop and something. And they'll again with this Game of Thrones prequel that's coming, like they'll they'll hammer that to the fucking ground until people stop watching, right? right. So And it'll probably just cost too much to like justify the means to continue it if it's not doing well. Cuz you have to continuously up the ante, right? Yeah. Um Like I see that lasting one season. Really? At most one or two. I think like Westworld where it'll do like three and then probably finish up, yeah. which is probably a good thing. <laughs> Um, okay, moving on. A couple uh, smaller trailers that uh, Eric uh, got me to watch right before the podcast. So first we're going to start with The Farewell, which is a A24 film. Played uh, at Sundance. Uh, played at Sundance, starring Aquafina, um, about her grandmother getting diagnosed with cancer. But the grandmother um, doesn't know, yes. and the family doesn't want to tell her. Mm-hmm. So instead they create this elaborate ruse to get everybody back together for one last like family, family gathering under the guise that um, two people are getting... Uh, I think it's a, a, a son or a grandson um, is getting married. And it's them to celebrate their uh, the 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 yeah the uh, matriarch's life and and sort of just have one big get together and it looks good. It does look good. I I was skeptical, not skeptical, but like I. Well, with Sundance, you always have to take it with a grain of salt when you yeah. hear like every movie is the greatest movie ever yeah. made. And I like Aquafina a lot, but um, I thought she was a a little bit too much like in, in crazy rich Asians. And I liked and, her in um, um, oceans thought, eight. I, I liked her was, in the subway scene. I agree completely. I think she's great in oceans eight. So uh, hit or miss for me. But then after watching this, I'm like, Oh man, this looks excellent. Like I, I, I really, uh, I shut it off the first time I tried to watch the trailer just cause I think my headspace wasn't right where I'm like, I don't want to watch this trailer right now. And then uh, you also love jump- the food. Yeah, it looked great. All the food looked amazing, but I think sh- her performance looks like it's excellent and uh, like and something that unsuspecting. Um, uh, not that I just assumed her to play goofy, loud characters all the time, but yeah, um, yeah. I think she looks great in this. Um, and I think it has a really uh, cool look to it too. I like the cinematography that I saw in the trailer, and while it's still very kind of family orientated and it's nothing like crazy, but I just thought it looked really nice and. Um, shout out to A24 because like everything that they put out, I'm like, yep, I at least ha- like have some part of me wants to see basically anything that they put out. So. Right. I mean, they've kind of become the Miramax of the independent world now where it's like they're picking a lot of stuff that is off the beaten trail, but also weirdly can be accessible. That yeah, isn't just and- relegated to the art house cinema. And I think this does a good job at balancing that line of like, can this sounds bad, but like convincing your common moviegoer to watch a foreign film uh, by putting it half in English. Right. You know what I mean? Like you almost trick them like into watching it because you're like, hey, people do speak English in this movie, so it you don't have to read subtitles all of the time. Just right. Well, it's like it's like it's like tricking a child into eating something healthy for them. Right. You, you know, wrap it in yeah. something else. Sometimes it's good to. To, to not know that you're eating something good, but then when you realize that it's good for you and you like it... Then maybe you'll go try something else. Yeah, exactly. Too, right? And then you then you pick up uh, you know new references and, and a new language and you go and explore other films and other genres. And I love that multicultural kind of thing of like uh, a, a Chinese-American uh, or a, in any race or... or 
anything of just that we live in such, especially in Toronto, we have so many different cultures and, and things that live here. Like I really do love these films when they incorporate that, where again, to your point where some people see subtitles in a movie and they just go, nope. Oh, wait for the English yeah, language. Remake. I don't want that. And like, I'm guilty of that sometimes. Not like I don't intentionally go, there's no way I'm watching a foreign film or anything like that. I watch plenty of them usually during the festival circuit and things like that. But I, I do really love that you, you have that. Again, like you said, you make it accessible for people to kind of give it a shot at least. And, yeah. Um, well, because it's also very universal. It seems in its topic. Of that's what family, I mean. And right? like, yeah, that's universal. And again, there's many people who like come from different backgrounds around the world that have these experiences that we just don't see a lot of. And and I and I really like seeing that represented on film. And I think this this looks really really great yeah now it's getting a limited release uh in mid-july uh in the u.s it does not have canadian distribution as of yet but we will keep you posted on when it does yes and then the last trailer i want to talk about is uh the mountain starring uh jeff goldblum and uh ty sheridan ty sheridan uh directed by rick alverson rick alverson um who i was not super super familiar with i knew of the two movies that you mentioned he directed before yeah the comedy and entertainment uh yeah. the comedy with uh our favorite uh tim heidecker eric wareheim and james murphy of uh oh god why am i blanking on this now oh uh, uh, lcd sound system okay yeah and then um uh greg turkington was in entertainment in, yeah, yeah which greg turkington also does movies on movies right yeah and yeah. uh decker <laughs> yeah and uh, they were both in the Ant-Man movies. Yeah, as different characters. So yeah. uh, watch this trailer for the for the mountain. Um, I was totally into this. And uh, I know that they're probably – I'm sure it will be even weirder and more – Divisive. Su- divisive and subversive, like, watching it. But um, It played at Venice, too, uh, and it didn't play at any other festivals okay. last year. So. <laughs> I don't know. I really dug – I mean, again, a lot of it was – that aesthetic that I really like when you kind of take some, it's in four by three and, and it's, um, it's Jeff Goldblum play playing a lobotomist in in the 1960s and him kind of touring the U S and him and Ty Sheridan are working together. Yeah. And it has this weird kind of surreal style to it too. Yeah. And it has a kind of melancholy dourness Mm -hmm. and, um, Denny Levant of uh, Holy Motors is also yep, in it. Yeah, I noticed so, that. Yeah. yeah, and um, which shout out to Holy Motors. So I don't know. It looks like my kind of weird, right? Um, and I should go back and maybe watch the comedian at least, because uh, um, I, I do love Tim and Eric, and and I uh, I want to see if his style is my shit, or maybe this trailer just kind of makes it seem that way. Uh, right. It could go either way, but I thought this trailer was really good, and I, I I'm excited to see this now. Yes, and um, this opens at the end of July. Um, it's through Kino Lorber, so I would assume that if anybody gets it, it would be the Lightbox. Cool. All right, I want to take a quick break, and then we're already running pretty long, but um, why not let, let's keep this train rolling, Eric. I just want to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, This Week in the News. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we are back. Uh, Eric, as we breaked, breaking trailer talk or talking trailers, whatever the fuck we call this segment. 
Uh, Disney just dropped the first teaser trailer for Maleficent. 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 <laughs> Maleficent. <laughs> I don't even know what the subheading is. It's, is, uh, is it Season of the Witch? No, Mistress no? of Darkness? Mistress of Evil? Yeah, Mistress of Evil. Uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, that's telling when we literally just watched the trailer and I cannot remember the name. Can you remember a single thing that happened in the first Maleficent? Because I sure can't. I actually do remember something that happens that actually was an allegory to rape when Charlotte Copley cuts off her wings. Yeah. And I was kind of disturbed by it. The whole... Yeah... That movie is bad. Yeah. The and only thing I will say for it is that at least it tried to do something different with the Sleeping sure, Beauty sure. narrative than just do a shot-for-shot shot remake that's live action. Right. But now we have to suffer through a sequel, which kind of feels almost like they're doing the same thing that they did with Alice in Wonderland because Alice in Wonderland made so much money. Now we're going to have Alice Through the Looking Glass. And in this case, we have Maleficent 2, Electric Boogaloo. So it's, you know, it is what it is, but... Um, Sure, we're not the target audience or whatever. It's fine, but but it doesn't look um, good though either. Right. This looks like something that would be perfect for Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Agreed. Because I don't have but to watch it. Angelina Jolie is too big of a star right. still, I guess. Yeah, um, and I like Michelle Pfeiffer and and Elle Fanning, but yeah, this is just same. like, and I guess this is Disney's, you know, holiday genre movie for you know the for october right so right it's interesting you have this late or mid-october because the original one was a spring movie and then you have frozen like a month later yeah um which is interesting but and with the slew of live action movies that they have this year segue um which we will segue into but not artemis fowl um i love how we're just obnoxiously long on this episode but whatever you know it's monday night we started a bit rough i felt a bit rusty and tired still very tired but i've had a coffee and an entire diet coke already so ready to rock baby um yeah, I mean, with their slate of live-action films this year, Maleficent kind of gets lost, and I think that's why they moved Artemis Fowl to next year as well. But this seems like the movie that is most likely to, like, maybe underperform just because of, like... Maybe, because Artemis Fowl now is in and, 2020. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, and underperform whatever that means to Disney, which it could still make $500 million and underperform. Right. But, uh, or not even break the top 10 when you have a year that has Endgame and Rise of Skywalker and Lion King and Aladdin. and. Uh, but sometimes you got to know that like one and done is enough. You know, walk away when you've made yeah. the money. Like, I don't think anybody, even the people that liked the movie or, or, or saw the movie in theaters were thinking, hey, this needs a sequel. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I thought, I remember people liking it, like, uh, or at least like, my mom and or i don't think my sister liked it which i was like proud of her um not saying that though i just referenced my mom and sister because i grew up with a lot of disney princess movies and things like that when i was younger uh and that's who i watched them with was my cousins melissa and jessica and uh and my sister sarah um so that's kind of my reference point to a lot of this stuff um when it comes to the disney remaking or re reimagining some of these older Disney movies that we watched as kids. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maleficent does nothing for me. I, I probably, to be honest, won't even watch this. 
I don't even think I can't I, say the same, but um, I I really like, I want to be proven wrong. Like I always like the idea of, of of going into a movie and my expectations being changed, but just that trailer looks to me like a you know a very post production heavy uh, tale that has some gothic elements that are weirdly I feel like unsuitable for a younger audience. I mean, Maleficent looks sexy at the end of the trailer. I don't know if that's suitable. No. And that's, I mean... Well, sexy Jafar, sexy Maleficent. Yeah, I mean, I get make your villain sexy. I'm 100% down for that. I mean, yeah. Sexy Scar? Sexy Jafar. Jafar. Jaw definitely Scar. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, sexy Jafar. I don't like Jafar's voice. I wish, I wish live-action sexy Jafar had a sexier voice. Um, yeah, it needs to be more deeper, more commanding. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm down for Disney making their villains sexy, but uh, be consistent, you know? Right. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to pull up. Uh, let's get into the news. We don't need to fucking talk about Maleficent anymore. Uh, Eric, you wanted to talk about, I mean, we, we basically are owned by Disney, as is everyone. So why not talk about what Disney has going on for the next 11 well, this was, million years? Yeah, well, I mean, this was a big news story, though, and I think it's worth talking about and kind of at least not dissecting it piece by piece, but kind of going through um, their slate of films from now until 2027, I believe. Is yeah, like, but the last like, few years only have a few Just Avatar movies, movies. Yeah. <laughs> if we ever get to those. Um, but, it w- but it was interesting because there, it, it's it's interesting to see what's on the list and what's not on the list um, in, in terms of even just you know the Fox Searchlight stuff because today we got an announcement that Jojo Rabbit – uh, Taika Waititi's next movie will be opening on October 18th. Which would have been on this list if it was announced last week. Yeah, right? and then Lucy in the Sky, the Natalie Portman astronaut movie, is not on the list, but already has a trailer out, and that the trailer was in front of the press screening for Tolkien. Yeah. So, yeah, and Tolkien is on here. Yep. Uh, and so is Ready or Not, which is Fox Searchlight's next movie that's right. being released this summer. So are you thinking um, Lucy in the Sky got pushed? or No, I'm or thinking they just, they're going they're trying to probably to figure just, out what? Yeah, they're, they're, maybe they'll do the festival route and see how it does buzz-wise and then release it later or, or come up with it then. Because, again, with Jojo Rabbit, maybe part of it was just like they're still figuring out how to work with Fox Searchlight. Because another movie that they have that's done... Um, is the Guillermo del Toro produced Scott Cooper horror movie Antlers with uh, Carrie Russell and Jesse right. Clemens? And yeah, those are all going to be tricky, right? Because now you have a Disney marketing team coming in, and I mean, I think we even saw that with the Jojo Rabbit announcement today. I joked about it with you being like, I guarantee a piece of feedback from Disney was like, we need people to make sure that w- they know what this movie is, because like it even they call it what an anti hate satire from. Yeah. Taika Waititi. So, like, uh, a movie when you have a kid who has an imaginary friend that's Hitler, like, uh, that's very... (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh, also, I mean, you'd have to consider, I mean, the Disney PR people are probably also thinking, well, you know, Disney's own, Walt Disney's own anti-Semitic Yeah. I mean, that, I think they've just buried that and tried to like i think a, a company can advance past its oh i agree but you have to you have to name. consider it for a world war ii movie 100 percent. and i just think the disney name has transcended with second transcendence reference today um God damn it uh 
Walt Disney, right? right. Like, it's no longer Disney no longer represents that one man, right? It's just this gigantic entity that's consuming everything. Yeah, the House um, of Mouse is eating. Yeah, and don't all get me wrong, I'm, I'm a sucker for it too. But um, yeah, this is fascinating. So like, let's kind of go through this. So I mean, so you've biggest... got the list up, and we were sent this as a press release. Uh, last week yeah last week and then i think right after we recorded or maybe before but we didn't talk about it but um the biggest uh kind of learnings from this is that like i mentioned earlier um they pushed artemis fowl to 2020 so next year Uh, it was originally uh, slated for august august of this year uh, it's now moved to uh, May 29th of next year. Um, and then we also got New Mutants pushed once again for the third or fourth time uh, to 2020. Went uh, into mo- production in 2017. Uh-huh. So uh, I thought it was earlier than that. but Well, it, it would had been in pre-production for a long time, but like actual shooting began in in 2017 so um those are the two biggest things and then i guess the rest is that uh or sorry the next probably the biggest one is that uh avatar 2 got pushed a a whole year yeah it was originally going to be next year and now it's 2021 correct yeah and now what we're also seeing between 2021 into 2027 or 20 yeah 2027 is an alternating between star wars and avatar uh, a new Star Wars series will begin in what? What when they're taking I believe, three years uh, off? Twenty twenty two. Yeah, we're just looking at the list now. Yep. So twenty twenty two. So after Rise of Skywalker, we're getting a uh, three year three year break, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll still get Star Wars content on Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, we'll have two or three, maybe even four Star Wars shows probably, but. Um, I'm kind of glad that it looks like Disney Plus will be the spot where they'll do the quote-unquote Star Wars story um, and and maybe build them out a little bit more on that platform and then keep – I'm going to make a joke, but like make Star Wars great again. And not that it's not great. um, Just make it special. Like make it an event film. An event, yeah. Because because Solo kind of proved otherwise. And I don't think – as much as Solo is underwhelming or – perfectly fine or however you want to describe solo i think it was uh telling that it didn't feel special anymore right like when that movie was starting it was what a few months after we saw last jedi yeah um, because it was december to uh, may and it just was like ah, it was too frequent it was a story that we kind of didn't need about a character we didn't kind of like we all loved, but didn't need his backstory um, in a film, and like it just felt like, oh, okay, this is another movie now. It's not like I you remember when we saw Force Awakens at that press screening, and yeah. I remember before that started, I was like punching you in the leg, right? Of like, I can't believe we're about to watch a, a new Star Wars. Yeah, because the right last now. time with uh, Revenge of the Sith, Sith was 2005. Yeah. Right. So there had been a, a decent amount of time in between the two. And also, you know, the expectations had changed then as well because we had had three horrible prequels and now we were looking for a new hope. Yes. And, um, and I think I had that same reaction for Last Jedi. I remember watching it with you at Landmark Cinemas and, and getting, I, I can't believe, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have that feeling for Rise of Skywalker. Um, 
well, it's the completion of this trilogy, yeah. which is supposed to be the end of, you know, a nine movie arc. The way we've been talking about Endgame being the end of, uh, you know, 22 20. movies, 10 plus years. This has been over, what, 40, 40 years? <laughs> yeah. So now this is really kind of putting an end to the Skywalker saga, at least theatrically speaking. So I think it's a good time to take a break, right? Yeah. And then three years isn't a long time, but it's still a significant amount for right. us to be clamoring for Star Wars again, right? right. And in between that, we'll be getting an <laughs> Avatar movie, and I'm yeah. sure there will be yeah. other Marvel films and DC movies. And Oh, we're going to get three Marvel movies a year. Well, right? other than next year, though, next year we only have two. Um, that are slated and they're both untitled but probably what they are is black widow and the eternals Mm -hmm. but then after that yeah we have three three a year and it could bump up to four for certain years when you add in a sony spider-man movie right Right. um unless that's too much and disney pulls one of or pushes one of their marvel movies to make continuous that three a year you get one at the beginning the middle and the end of the year which i think is good for those types of movies they feel different enough where star wars hasn't done a great job of expanding that universe yet right no like uh, we we're so stuck in that original trilogy storyline that uh they're afraid to kind of branch out so i hope with the mandalorian um and I mean, I know the uh, Cassius, not Cassius Ono. That's a wrestler's name, I think. <laughs> um, anyways, the uh, the Rogue One spinoff uh, movie. Uh, my brain's fried. Um, I hope we expand it a little bit more because at least with the Rogue One movie, it's it doesn't really involve the plot of the main trilogy. It just has a character from that movie that involved the main trilogy. And then same with Mandalorian. of It's set in between that space of Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens that we ha- haven't really seen much of. I but hope... it doesn't necessarily have to be a bridge to no, Return of the Jedi. It and just takes place in that time period. Yeah, right? and that's what Rogue One and even even Solo to a certain degree, like everything was trying to connect or, or be a part of the Skywalker saga. Like we didn't need, you know, spoiler alert for Solo, we didn't need the scene with Maul. No, but I mean, I... Yeah, I agree that we didn't need that. Um, I mean, it... that is obvious just... You know, to ensure that if there was going to be a sequel in that um, series, that that's where they would go next. But you don't need it because it just reminds you of how awful and disappointing those prequels were. And it doesn't But Darth Maul, I think, was maybe one of the... Sure, but I felt like he served his purpose. And the only time... Like, the only people that will really, truly get... Are the people that who reference? watch the cartoon? Yeah, the yeah. Attack of the Clones cartoon. Yeah, um, yeah, the Clone Wars series. Clone Wars, yeah, yeah, and or to everyone else, it's just a completely out of left field twist, right? And then, uh, which I had no idea was coming, and I, in the moment, I thought was very cool, um, because I think it, it. And to those people who do consume every piece of Star Wars, I think that that is cool. And then to the people who don't, it is surprising. Um, again, I think he's only half a man. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Solo's just, I, I think it's very telling that I haven't gone back to rewatch it, uh, since theaters. I enjoyed it. I, um, again, huge Star Wars fan. I don't think it's like bad, but I think it's better than the prequels. But th- here's the thing, like, though, but the prequels are at least more ambitious, right? Like, at least. 
to me, like it's it's gonna be hard. I'm gonna watch all of them later this year because I'm assuming again I, I I talk about these guys nonstop, but and I'm wearing one of their t-shirts right now. But the kind of funny guys do their in review series, and there's no way that they're not doing Star Wars leading up to Last Jedi. And I'm sure we'll probably do the same, or at least I'll participate, and we'll we'll talk about it weekly on this show too. Um, no, no, no. But I'm just I'm curious to see where it, all of those movies will compare because as much as we the prequels are bad. I'm with you, but like, I don't think they're like on other than, uh, attack of the clones are unwatchable. Like, I think there are things in both phantom menace and revenge of the Sith that I do enjoy. Um, and at, at least there was like a singular vision, whether that, I mean, obviously that wasn't such a great thing back then. And even now looking back at it, but solo just feels so bleh, like whatever that at least I can respect the ambition that are in those three prequels that I don't know will make them feel more important or anything. Well, they had um, a they had a, they actually had a, a a purpose that they there was a destination for the prequels. Like they they yeah. were building to something, although I think it failed miserably to build to what it was it was trying to get to, and it didn't. The execution of it was horrible, but. Uh, you know, like yeah, there there are moments in Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith that are okay, but I would definitely still say it's it's weird. Like I almost would still go with Solo just because it's it's still relatively fresh and like at least the effects are somewhat popular or or, 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 or yeah to date. Modern, but yeah. but also then it's also just disappointing to watch it because you keep thinking like what could have been if it was now is my Miller. point, right? And and even if it would have been a train wreck, at least it would have been maybe an ambitious train wreck or something that was a different. Different. Yeah. And I think that's what Star Wars is afraid of right now and i feel we've i've made this comparison before well they don't want to upset the fans right and i think that was the problem at the beginning of the mcu as well right like we talked about iron man 2 and age of ultron and and different things where they clashed with filmmakers and and really didn't want to stray from their protective vision of what the mcu was going to be and then when they finally were like well they finally got vision yeah, I hate you. Um, I, when they finally let people kind of do their thing, they opened up that world a bit more and let them do weirder one-offs and things that still ultimately tied into that universe. And I think that's what Star Wars needs to do. And I would have loved to see the weird Ace Ventura movie that people called Solo when Phil Lord and Chris Miller were making it, right? Like, hopefully no transphobic stuff, but... Um, what? Oh, no, I'm just... This is weirdly shaking, and I haven't been touching it at all. Oh, I'm talking hopefully about the mic it right doesn't. Now. Hopefully, it, just don't touch it. Hopefully, it doesn't fall. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know, and uh, I'm glad that we're taking a, a little bit of a break from Star Wars after uh, yeah. after Rise of Skywalker. Other than, I'm sure we'll get a plethora of TV shows and right. And video but you games can choose stuff. to accept those or not, or watch them at your own leisure. Where, like, you know, film fans specifically, you know. It, the Star Wars movie canon is considered, you know, to be as written, right? Like it's, it's, it becomes a part of the lexicon of, uh, Star Wars permanently, yeah. right? Where like, you know, the, the spinoff novels and, and the TV series, you can take them or leave them. You don't necessarily have to have them to fill in the blanks, but with the films, you know, they have a different, um, 
meaning and purpose behind them. But I'm also very curious, though, with the Avatar sequels, because what happens if those movies don't do as well as they're intended to? Because I don't know if every, anybody's really wanting this many sequels to Avatar. Like, I understand maybe one or, or a trilogy, but five. Mm-hmm. Committing to four new Avatar movies is a lot. And especially if you get tired of them midway through what happens if you still have two movies left or say if the second one yeah. isn't well received and then what you if still the have second those... one is in and then the third one does not great at all but you've shot all of this but i'm assuming post-production will take an eternity on these movies which is why they're spread out so uh so much even though or is he shooting the next two and then the two after that after i think he's doing yeah i think he's doing two back to back then taking a break and then doing the the two two other ones but it's still so that gives you an out clause essentially right like if he shoots the next two and they don't do so well then it just ends up as a trilogy right but then disney's invested so much money even into avatar land at disney world and and things like that 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 might actually end up helping it because as much like for me, even who isn't an Avatar fan and who hated the movie up, I until, thought you were like, a huge uh, Jake Sully I, fan. I, I was a hater up until last year. Um, I went to Avatar or Pandora, whatever Pandora, Pandora at Disney World, and I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." So I maybe that helps in in any kid who's visited there. But I mean, that's out of the millions and millions of people who can go to the movies. There's a small chunk of people who's actually who have actually visited. Pandora, yeah. right? And James Cameron now wants to put his name back on the top uh, of the box office because of Endgame. I don't think it has a chance, man. No, like, I, know, I just, I, know. I, again, I'm with you. Maybe we're wrong. I could have, like, I, I, ne- like, I could see them doing better internationally, but at the same time, I still don't necessarily see these. I see, like, again, we've talked about this before, and I've talked to you off of the podcast about this. Like, if anybody can do a sequel, it's James Cameron. I mean, with yeah. both Aliens and Terminator 2, he's proven that he can, you know, create a, a world or establish a, a, an idea and then build on that. But five movies is a, is that commitment. And just looking at that list that you have up and seeing all those sequels to Avatar from now or from 2021 to 20, uh, 2017. I'm going to be almost 40. Yeah. <laughs> like... And, and and it's been so long already. I mean, it's the, what Avatar was ten years ago. Yeah. And between then and now, I mean, I, I I've lived my life comfortably, knowing that I've only needed to see one, one Avatar, Avatar movie. Now, yeah. what I am a little sad is or disappointed with is that I haven't gotten another James Cameron movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Alita I mean, was the closest thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which felt ghost directed to an extent, but um, he was the angel. Above that production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I I mean, I couldn't care less about Avatar, and I can't Unless say... Arnold Schwarzenegger was a, a Navi. Yeah, I mean, maybe he brings him in, but, like, again... Because, I mean, he's already brought in Kate Winslet yeah. and Vin Diesel. When's Leo coming in, man? Yeah. You got to kick out fucking Sam Worthington at some point. Right. <laughs> like, I, I almost know. feel Sam Worthington will, like, he'll be gone by the end of the second one i'm just like you gotta cast someone who no offense to sam worthington but if you want people to give a shit you need to put a big star in there too yeah i mean zoe saldana but yeah you need to cast somebody who's not on a ledge and i get that he's just gonna be a blue person the whole time but like 
Uh, I, I, both figuratively and literally. Again, I watched it. I revisited it. I thought it was fine. I, you know what? I came around and I was like, you know what? It's an enjoyable movie. But I, I'm with you. I only need one of them. I don't need this to be a fucking universe or five movies. And I'm like, ah. I just can't see them performing. But James very Cameron well. is gonna make five. Everyone, do that. Do that fun quiz that everyone's been talking about. Go to your family and friends and go name me two characters from the movie Avatar. Or just it even is, say, do you remember what Avatar is? Right. It's the highest grossing film of all time, and I'm sure they remember what it is. Everyone went to go see Avatar. Yeah. But. I mean, at least with Titanic, like Titanic, is cheesy as it is now and i mean it's still memorable like you still remember the love story as hokey as that is you still remember the events of how it plays out technically and um you know like it it made sense that it became a part of pop culture history even when it became kind of like a a joke with you know the draw me like one of your french girls or the idea that uh uh, Rose killed uh, Jack because they could both share the, space yeah. on the on the wooden uh, shelf. Mm-hmm. First boob I ever saw, I think. Well, that was not my. Anyways, <laughs> well, my mine um, was was the Terminator. Oh, was it? Yeah, for Schlong too. Yes and no because you can't really see it in, in the, the DVD yeah. version, but you can Fair. in the Blu-ray. On the Blu-ray. Oh yeah, oh you can. You pause it at the right moment. <laughs> um, but Titanic, I remember seeing at the Cinesphere, and they in, call him Shaffinator. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I remember being whatever. How the fuck old we were? Like eight or nine? Yeah, uh, or eight ninety eight. It came out. Nin- yeah, ninety eight ninety seven. Yeah, 97. 97, yeah, because it was the same year as as good as it gets. So I was eight years old, and I remember my parents... It was PG because it only showed an artistic boob and not a sexual boob. (laughs) I saw that Um, in the drive-in with uh, Deep Impact. Oh, really? In Peterborough, yeah. Yeah, I went to Cinesphere here in Toronto when they were playing, uh, which they still do now. They're kind of doing the thing that they used to do where they would play uh, just... uh, second run films so when it was done its normal theatrical run they would go there because i remember seeing it once in a normal theater and once on that giant imax screen right um you were a big fan of billy zane's breasts god that love for the first time. yeah love it uh yeah his hair piece is ridiculous i love billy zane god bless him uh but i guess the more intri- i guess after tw- next year so everything 2021 and after is basically un Untitled Marvel, Untitled Star Wars, Untitled Disney Live Action, or Untitled Pixar. And we'll probably Um, know more about what those Untitled Marvel movies are coming up. um, At D twenty, we'll probably know what the the some of the Pixar movies are. I think D twenty three, right? And live action Disney stuff. I think a lot of that will be announced at D twenty three this year. or maybe not all of it, but you got to think like we knew about a lot of these movies that are coming out next year, a couple years in advance, right? Right. And, then, um, and some of them are going into production now, so it's not like it's a complete mystery. I mean, we've heard Black Widow is shooting this summer in England, and that Eternals is. We'll gonna, get the announcements for casting all, now. I mean, right? I don't think the Phase Four, the first announcement for Marvel, is going to be completely shocking to most people who. Right who kind of read about it because it's going to be all of those movies that we've talked about. They'll officially announce the directors and probably some of the cast for each one of those movies. And then when it comes to, uh, we'll hear probably about the next couple Pixar and Disney live action remakes. I mean, for next year, we already have Mulan and Cruella. Um, what else do we got? to have it right in front of me here. Um, 
I should pull this up somewhere else so I don't have to turn the other way or I can zoom in for Eric. Yeah, we got like uh, what's weird seeing a Bob's Burgers movie on there from Disney. Right, but that um, had been rumored for a while. Like everybody, like fans of that show were saying, oh, uh, the, the creators of that had been working on a movie for quite some time. But even for next year, yeah, there are the two Marvel movies and some of the Pixar stuff that we don't know. And that's, I think that's what you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, and then we'll Jungle Cruise was even moved further down because it was supposed to come out in the spring of next year and it's opening in the summer. Mm-hmm. In August, it yeah, looks like. or no, July, uh, no, June, <laughs> June, uh, and then uh, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story is opening at the end of twenty twenty. Uh, we're just looking at the list now. Yeah, I don't know what untitled Disney animation will be. And then we have the next uh, Kenneth Branagh Poirot movie, Death, Death on, on the, the Nile. Nile. Opening so we're in seeing the- some of the Fox stuff. So you saw uh, Kingsman. There's an untitled. Uh, Kingsman movie that's going to be opening at the beginning of next year, which is that World War Two one with Ray Fiennes and uh, Harrison uh, yeah. Dickerson from yeah. uh, Beach Rats. Mm-hmm. Tons and tons of names in that. So um, that's going to be interesting. That's got to be the first what like hard R kind of Fox movie, or do we yeah? Have well, especially like if you consider uh, how the second one had some very questionable moments uh, yeah, yeah so i'm curious of how that will affect the kingsman movies right because i think that's our first foray into a movie that's not well is it about it started production just as the transition was happening right mm-hmm. so it'll be curious of how much or how they decide to market it or how they i'm really curious of how this r-rated stuff works at fox right, right. and then and especially their bigger budgeted r-rated stuff too right because it seems like the kingsman movies will stick around because they fall more into the franchise territory and i think a lot of the times a lot of those but did the second one do that well i thought it kind of underperformed i mean i i thought it did fine but not great so that's why i was uh but i don't think they're that expensive right. are they well i mean this one is being released closer to when the first one was released because the first one was uh, a a February release, which I right? think is the perfect time yeah. for it, right? Um, uh, yeah, I forgot Mulan's coming next year. Uh, again, we're gonna continuously go through the the Disney animated library and get what live happens action, when we so. run out. Like, what happens then? Would they remake the live action <laughs> versions? Uh, we're doing them back in hand drawn animation. Um, I don't know. Like, what else do we have left? Oliver and Company. Robin Hood, <laughs> Robin Hood with sexy uh, the Aristocats, Aristocats, uh, uh, Great Mouse Detective, Great Mouse Detective, Sword in the Stone. Some of these feel like Disney Plus movies. Yeah, well, Lady honest. and the Tramp is, is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. So, but what are like the big ones from when we were younger? I guess they've gone through all the nineties. They do stuff, Fantasia. Right? No, nothing with Mickey Mouse. I don't think they're. I like. I'm surprised they haven't done a Mickey Mouse animated movie in a very long time right like, maybe they'll do that at some point uh, like he hasn't been in a feature film in forever right yeah. and for him to be your you'd think this year would have been the year because it wasn't his like 90th birthday or something like that yeah or uh, it's probably less than that i don't know but it was mickey's birthday this year i think um or like big birthday um but mickey mouse has never oh been the live action goofy movie Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> That'd be disturbing. Um, we're getting a new Mighty Ducks show for or, or movie for Disney Plus, I think. Is Emilio is coming crazy. back? I fucking hope so. Um, but Coach yeah. Bombay, all the way. 
But yeah, the slate is uh, is interesting. I mean, after next year, we don't really know what the fuck is coming. But it's right. just funny to get dates that just have a whole bunch of like untitled blank on them. Or movies you don't really know anything about. Like, I mean, Call of the Wild is uh, Harrison Ford in, in The Wilderness, which was supposed to come out this year, actually, um, from one of the original directors of How to Train Your Dragon. It's his first live-action feature. Um, but then you have stuff like Free Guy and... Uh, Ron's gone wrong and although I wish that was a Ron Swanson movie <laughs> um but yeah like some of them you just like don't even know and then even this year like I wonder how Stuber is going to do which is now a Disney movie it's not going to do well I don't think right do you think no it seems like a what 18 million dollar opening weekend or something like yeah. that yeah like that's and being for generous. Disney that's like fucking bury this thing shoot it in the head and get rid of it right um because they just don't make small movies like that. But um, that's what, I mean, I'm going to skip the rest of the news that we had just because we're going way, way too long and none of it was super, super interesting. Right. Um, um, sure, some people got cast in some some movies. Nothing was mind-blowing. Um, but one of the news pieces that I had, which ties into this and then we'll wrap up, was it looks like Disney's going to slash the Fox film slate at least in half. Just because, I mean, they can only release so many films per year, right? So instead of the, I think, between 10 and 15 movies that Fox did every year, we'll probably get between 5 and 8, maybe, Fox movies now or something like that. But um, I guess that's one of the caveats of combining your slate right which i guess less can be more but then well they don't want to necessarily also just compete against themselves like that's the one thing that they've and they're starting to do they're getting to a point where like look at aladdin coming out and things are coming out two or three four weeks after you already have a gigantic movie yeah well they they they're also um not big on having um you know uh rep cinemas play a lot of their disney movies um, it's harder to book a Disney movie for, you know, a, a, a retro screening or... You know, they like, never let people do that. Yeah, and it's now like I wonder what's official. going to happen with the Fox stuff, if that's going to change as well. Because specifically, I look at something like Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is a Fox title and is a huge rep um, title. It's, uh, it plays all the time at our uh, theater in Toronto called The Royal. And I wonder if they'll change the rules on that. And I know specifically one of the rules they they have is that um, if they do, in the very few instances they've had a a Disney movie screen for an event or something like that, is that they can't play the week of a new release, um, which is weird. They don't want to compete against against them, but they're not really competing competing against them. But yeah, yeah, like it's 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 weird. That's bizarre because, like, there's tons of stuff. Home Alone plays every year. Yeah. Um, Die Hard, yeah. Alien. There's tons of Fox stuff that plays all the time, right? So, so now this is going to be harder for programmers to book for their theaters. And, and again, like, I think something like Rocky Horror Picture Show, which has become a staple uh, midnight movie, not just for Halloween, but year-round. And this is where, you know, a lot of these theaters make quite a bit of revenue from if that gets pulled i mean that's that's a big i hope loss. They, i hope they change their ways on that. i do too they, i do too like i think they need to adapt or be more open to that and and not look at it as competing against themselves because they're not it's just it's just such a weird why not make a little bit of extra money like right. i know it's not going to be much so maybe they just 
find that they're so big that they don't need to make money off of that stuff, right? Like, yeah, to the point of like the effort of having someone on a rep team that's like handling that stuff is like, all right, how much money are we really making from these rep houses of like, I don't know, I don't know how much a, a run or a screening would would be at these places but i mean most of the work is put on the independent theater right like you're just supplying them with a print or a digital copy of it or whatever yeah or just the clearance to to play play it it. yeah even if it's on fucking blu-ray or something right yeah um preferably it'd be an actual print but um yeah man it's it's interesting and and we're we're seeing the first kind of I mean, we. I feel like since we started this podcast, we've been talking about this Disney Fox deal on a on a weekly basis, right? And this has become a fucking Disney podcast. Um, but I mean, it, that's the world that we're living in now, right? With as many gigantic properties as they have, and how many the combination of Disney and Fox Searchlight and Fox and everything that they have is a unbelievable. And um, I, I mean, you're seeing there's a Disney movie every. Once a month now, right? At so least, it's like, yeah. At least. I and, mean, we have Aladdin coming up, right? So it's... And it'll be, before we know it, there'll be Lion King and every... I don't know, there's so much, but... Uh, it's, it's Toy it's Story crazy. 4. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. They have some crazy... Frozen 2 this year, we... I know we keep saying it, but it's massive. So that's why. Bye-bye, Artemis Fowl. <laughs> You're the odd man You're being out. benched. We, we only take uh, winners on this. They've basically become like the New York Yankees of uh, uh, studios. Yeah. Or they're just, you know, like paying and making movies that will be hit after hit. And not that there's anything wrong with the studio being successful. I just hope that there's we don't come to a point where it's, only Disney movies or only Fox movies owned by Disney. Like I just want options. Yeah. Freedom of choice is important. I a hundred percent agree. All right, guys, uh, that's going to end this uh, marathon sesh of the Untitled Movie Podcast. We had a little bit of news that I was going to go over, but nothing was too, too crazy. We were going to talk about uh, Michael Rooker maybe being in Suicide Squad 2. Is King Shark? Um, yeah, which, uh, <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, Why not? Uh, I liked the news about Anna Lily Armapur uh, directing a cliffhanger reboot with a female lead. Uh, that sounded fucking awesome. Do you so, think it would um, be good as uh, Ace Ventura when Nature's Calls yeah, that opening? That opening is amazing. I got to go back and I want to show Nevis cliffhanger because I love cliffhanger. It's but, great. I mean, it's um, it's it's weird though. I will say this before we wrap up because I do think this is an interesting piece of news is that cliffhanger was just basically a ripoff of die hard yeah and now we're getting a remake that was a ripoff <laughs> yeah we're long gone yeah uh, from that but i think she's an interesting choice and i love that poster that they put out and yeah. uh 100 i'm a thousand percent into this so but it uh, also depends who they cast in the lead Right. Will they will 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 this lead be as veiny as Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> and Jason Momoa is supposed to have a small role. Oh, he'll the be the Michael Rooker role. Yeah, probably something like that. Or he'll be the the love interest that falls. Yeah, that could be it too, actually. Because yeah. they said it's a very small role, so I can right. see that happening. Right. Although he would be actually fun as as the John Lithgow role. Mm-hmm. I I mean just. Although I don't know if he could pull off the British accent. <laughs> The fake I, British I accent. I don't know if I'd want to see that. But all right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you've made it this long, you truly are a uh, a fan of Eric and I 
talking about nonsense. So I, we really, really appreciate that. And don't know why you do it, but and thank why you. you. While you enter <laughs> or while we enter into delirium. <laughs> yeah, we are. And we still have a couple more things to record. So we'll see how that goes. Listen to those reviews. <laughs> um, if you guys like this, as I just mentioned, we have another podcast called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I get together and actually review a movie for much less time than we spent talking on this show usually 20 25 minutes uh please go over there and check out our new reviews for long shot as well as pokemon detective pikachu and book smart um once again my name is matt rohrbeck um you can find more of my work around the interwebs at uh untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can find me on all of the social medias at matt rohrbeck uh, you can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And I'm on the social medias at EM6211. And until next time, it's been two hours and 40 minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. We do it for you. Uh-huh.